For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Kind of said what I had to say regarding the papers with Rory um, on the Ryder Cup. Riders on the Storm is the front page of making this morning's star. And it was Rory and Shane who used the car park bus stop to fire Europe to victory. All credit to them. But you have to say as well that the Americans did fight back. But I suppose after the appalling start to their Ryder Cup, they really could never claw back the amount that they were behind. Uh, so the other headline then is another one in the star that calls it the Rowdy Cup. Um, and you know the story if you've been following it yourself. Uh, the Ashling Mur- Mur- Murphy murder trial starts today. Uh, and I hope to be following that in the coming days and weeks. And a man is due, makes all of the papers this morning. They say a man is due to stand trial today for the murder of the school teacher Ashling Murphy last year. He's the Slovakian-born Joseph Pushka. Uh, from uh, with an address in, in County Offaly, charged with murdering the 23-year-old on January 12th of uh, last year. She was out for a run on the Grand Canal at the time. And then the other awfully tragic and quite alarming story uh, involving the death of a woman in County Offaly. Now, the examiner this morning reported that a teenage boy has been charged with the murder of uh, Lorna Woodnut. In County Offaly, uh, the teenager was arrested on Friday after she was found dead. Now, to be very careful what we say about this because you're talking about a teenager and the judge has imposed some very strict rules with regards to reporting um, uh, in the future going forward. There's reporting restrictions on the case. And the judge also noted that the Gardaí uh, were very concerned about this um, circulating video relating to the incident. I won't say any more about it apart from the fact that it was a video relating to the incident. I haven't seen it, thank God. Um, and in fact, the Gardaí are uh, encouraging parents and anybody with the video to delete it. And the judge has said the same. He said all adults and parents of children who possess the video delete it without further delay. Uh, it's awful. Um, and of course, you can't do anything that would identify the teenager. But I think it's fair to say, um, what is it with social media um, that, you know, uh, whether it's WhatsApp or whether it's, you know, for you know messi- messaging apps that allow people to distribute videos and we, we talked last week about the various TikTok challenges why aren't they living up to their responsibility why haven't they got um, you know programs and preventative measures in place where you know challenges like this or information on self-harm or details of how to do different things or indeed even videos like this can ever get up or if they do get up they're blocked straight away I mean I think again we find over and over again that social media in general is just found so wanting I don't know whether you agree with that your thoughts are always welcome text 0868104106 the upcoming budget dominates many of the papers now it's an interesting budget ahead because they've got an awful lot of money um, in the kitty that they could put to good use. Like they're talking about a tax package in the order of 1.15 billion euro. Uh, and that could involve, from looking at the Irish Times this morning, cuts to universal social charges, although only like a half a percent. Um, you know, there could be um, this winter up to three household energy credits. How much would they be? I don't know. It could be three by 200. It could be three by one or whatever the case may be. But they're certainly penciling in. They were going to increase excise yet again 
because they, 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 they put back on some excise, but not all of it on, on petrol and diesel and, and fuels and stuff like that. But it looks like as if they're going to scrap the idea of putting it up. They, I was reading earlier on this morning, I think it was in the Independent, that they're very touchy-feely because next year we probably will have a general election. And one of the things that would crucify them would be if petrol and diesel, other things would crucify them too, but if petrol and diesel went above the two euro mark. So it's interesting. They're looking at all sorts of cost of living measures, much of which would be paid out, particularly to those on uh, welfare payments or disability payments or social welfare benefits. And they'd all be paid out at uh, this side of Christmas. You'd be looking at a weekly welfare payment of at least an increase of a tenner. Um, and we had a, an increase last year of 12 euro. Uh, stuff like that. There's many of the papers are talking about the squeezed middle families who hopefully will be the biggest winner. Those that are out working and just can't really make things mat- make things work anymore. They can't do the maths. Uh, so they're talking about that. And, and it's as much to help people, I suppose, as it is to help themselves. Um, now, I know there are a lot of different polls going about at the moment where Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin have stormed ahead with regards to popularity. But bear in mind, if you still combined uh, the, um, you know, the, in the polls, say, for instance, the popularity of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, they could, they could very easily just go straight back into government as a coalition and be Sinn Féin on the current uh, opinion polls. So the political parties are aware of this and certainly very aware of it with the decisions they make regarding budgets. But anyway, the Echo this morning then talks about the CUH, uh, something that I don't think we'll ever get right. There are a thousand CUH patients now waiting on beds. Isn't that appalling? A thousand. And then at the same time, when you look at the HSE itself, it's got over 400 million euro worth of vacant properties. God only knows how they allowed that to happen, to have 400 million euro worth of property that they do absolutely nothing with. And that's why the Mirror in a special investigation calls it in sickness and in wealth. Could you imagine if they gave over all of those buildings and what could be done with it? Over 250 of them, and some of them are massive enormous buildings that clearly could be turned in to housing and apartments and places for families to live. I think that's an appalling indictment of our health service and number like that. One or two other things, actually. I guess that maybe, they, I don't know whether they're going to tinker with the price of a pint or alcohol in the upcoming budget, but I imagine they certainly will. It's another health-related story. They certainly will when it comes to uh, cigarettes. Um, and there's a charity now, the Irish Heart Foundation, is saying we need to get to, and I'm paraphrasing, and we need to get there quickly, to when we have a price of one euro for every cigarette that's sold, which would bring the price of a 20-pack of fags to, to 20 euro. Smokers would be very annoyed about that, but they're saying it should happen because absolutely it's bad for your health. And then vapes make the papers today. Um, and the problem, of course, is regarding children. Vapes are all very well for people who are trying to give up and get off cigarettes that have like thousands and thousands or at least hundreds and perhaps thousands of different chemicals uh, and toxins in there. And vapes are a good way to do that. But for children who never smoked and starting to use vapes, bad news. The mayor of the Independent this morning is saying that getting hooked on nicotine vapes as a child means that their brains will not fully mature. Very alarming, isn't it? And if you thought, this is a more positive story, if you thought that, um, you know, the Department of Social Protection or indeed uh, other government departments sit back in their laurels and pay out benefits without ever checking as to whether or not the people getting them deserve them or not, Think again. There's a story in the Mail today that says they have clawed back over 360 million euro in bogus welfare claims this year alone. Like they have managed to claw back 91 million euro 
in bogus claims for job seekers, 66 million bogus claims for state pensions, which is an interesting one. I'm not quite sure how you could make bogus claims about state pension. Over 48 million was clawed back for bogus claims of child benefit. And then another 46 million on illness-related payments, 39 million for one-parent family payments, and 38 million for carer's allowance. When you total it up, they apparently um, looked at 558 reviews last year alone within the Department of Social Protection and they clawed back 360 million euro in total. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? When you look at our politicians then, the Mail this morning are saying that the Gardaí are seriously examining whether or not our government ministers and politicians are at risk of threat. Apparently, there is a, a mocked, there are mocked up videos of the Justice, Justice Minister Helen McAtee and the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar being shot uh, and the Guardi are examining these mocked-up videos to determine the level of credible threats uh, to politicians. That's got to be very worrying for a politician these days. And we were talking about that on the air about a week ago, where politicians in their local communities are taking extra precautions now. Meanwhile, um, um, it's interesting to see uh, that crime, or at least some crimes, continue to go on upwards as opposed to downwards. It's 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 of no consolation to say that sexual offences were only only up by one percent. There's still, there were still 3,658 of them. But the ones that have rocketed and continue to go up are murder, robbery and extortion, year in, year out. Uh, and this morning's Red Tops talk about that in detail. I know I've mentioned it before, but even now, the former assistant Garda Commissioner, Pat Leahy, has come out in the Star this morning. I think he might have been on RT Radio 1 with Brendan O'Connor yesterday morning, uh, saying that Ireland is facing a fentanyl epidemic. And he's saying, we know it's coming. It is coming. It scourged America, the killer drug. It caused tens of thousands of overdoses, this very dangerous tablet. Some people swallow it, others uh, crush it and snort it, and others smoke it. But it will ravage Ireland when it eventually arrives here, if it hasn't already fentanyl. And I know I spoke last week about house prices. I was making the point that it has to stop, that it probably will, and that the property bubble must burst at some stage. I don't know. Um, uh, Yet again, the papers say this morning that house prices have continue to rise uh, right across the country. Um, You're looking at a year-on-year increase when you average it around outside of Dublin of 5%. And I think that's probably fairly conservative. And Carrigaline is to be transformed. Um, It's got so big now and it's got so many people living down there and so many housing estates, but it's still behind the eight ball when it comes to infrastructure and things to make life more pleasant and enjoyable. So they're going to build a huge plaza and a massive pavilion down on the waterfront. So a plaza and pavilion waterfront car park. A park is planned, and at least a car park. A waterfront park, which would be absolutely gorgeous because you need to utilise water when you have it next to you. So that's a front pager making the uh, echo today. And one or two others then include the 30,000 drivers who continue to drive on Irish roads. It's a front pager making the Irish Times today because that's the figure, 30,000 drivers who are driving for years without ever taking a test. And some have been on the road for up to 30 years with only a learner permit. Now, I'd love to talk with people because it would be great to chat with people who literally have been on a learner permit for years and years and years, perhaps failing tests or maybe... I don't know. Could you have a learner permit for maybe 30 years without ever even taking a test? Text on that one. Text 0868 104 106. And also, you know, 
do you ever wonder how they come up with names for all of these different storms? Apparently, these names are selected in collaboration with weather services around the UK and the Netherlands. Um, and I don't know, we also have skin in the game in this one. We can put forward our own names. I mention it only because this morning the star says that Med Aaron said that it would be willing to drop one of its choice names from the list of storms that it's given to um, all of the other meteorological services to make up the names of storms. Do you follow me? Uh, some of the names that, uh, well, at least one of them that Met Aaron gave is a name for the storm called Kiron. By all accounts, the Dutch came back and said that they would have a problem pronouncing the word Kiron. And Met Aaron said, well, if it's going to pro- cause problems for pronunciation, uh, we're willing to just pass on it. Um, but we can let that one go instead. Um, they, 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 they kind of broke it down phonetically for the Dutch, saying you spell it K-E-E-R dash A-N. Um, so that would even probably come out as Kiran. So they couldn't work it out with Kiron, so they decided to drop it. There are probably an awful lot of words, actually, internationally that people find difficult uh, to pronounce when it comes to Irish words, like Quiva would be one of them. Padraig comes out as Púrik. Um, Dervla must be impossible for them to pronounce unless it's spelled phonetically D-E-R-V-L-A. Maeve's got to be a confusing one if it's spelled... M- Imagine an American trying to pronounce M-E-A-D-H-B-H. <laughs> Need I go on? Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. And I will come back to a lot of texts from uh, Friday's programme and different topics like that. But I want to get straight to the phone lines because uh, we're contacted uh, over the weekend by Janet, who has a sad story to tell, to be quite honest. It's sad listening. And I was talking earlier on about the 1,000 patients in uh, around the Cork area, the greater area of Cork within the CUH who are looking for a bed. It could well be a bed. It could well be a place in a nursing home. And we've heard the stories of late with regards to nursing homes and the pressure they're under. But Janet, good morning. Good morning. Can I also say to you, happy anniversary. Is today your wedding anniversary? It is, yes. Okay. You know about it, but your poor misfortunate husband with dementia has no idea about that, has he? No. Okay. And is is he in hospital at the moment? He is, yes. And are you desperate to try to find a place for him? Yes. I've been looking with the last 16 days. And tell me, is it possible for him to come home at all? No. It's unsafe for him to come home. Is it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, You you wouldn't be able to cope, is it? No, I wouldn't. And he gets very agitated. He would. He would, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, And it's difficult without medical care for you. Um, a little yes. later in life to be able to do the things that are needed, I suppose. It is, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he had a stroke as well some years back and that hasn't it, helped matters. Yeah, that hasn't helped at all, no. Yeah, yeah. Has he been in hospital for long? Um, 16 days. Right. And have they told you that he needs to be discharged? Not at the moment. I have, there's a safety letter there. Mm. at the moment by my doctor. So the, where, he, where he stays, yeah. But yeah. W- will it come a time when he will have to move out of the hospital? I'd say so because I might need the bed. And w- are you looking at nursing homes at this stage now? I am. Right. And what's I your, and what's your general at... experience when you're looking and phoning? Are you looking, phoning and visiting, is it? I'm looking, phoning and visiting and emailing and what I'm getting is some of them, when you're emailing, they say, fill out the contact form, give your details and the, 
what the patient is suffering from and they say, we'll ring you back. And I've filled out forms and they don't even ring you back. And you sent in the forms and everything? Yeah. And have they said yeah, that I, they have they said that they're full or have they said they have places? No, they haven't even they haven't even emailed me back. They've done nothing. They haven't emailed me back. They haven't phoned me back. So it's like if they haven't got well, a few did. I know you. I know, know you were you were you were in you were in conversation and what have you with about nine of them, and three came back. And what did they say? Three. One, they can only give um, put them on an emergency list because they've no beds. Sec, uh, another one then they have no one that can special him right. and the other one the other one have done a medical assessment on him but have not rang me back to say what is happening okay so you're worried obviously at your wit's end because he can't stay yeah. he can't stay in a hospital bed indefinitely of course no he can't no so and because it's dementia we need somewhere that caters for a dementia patient and but nursing homes would cater for dementia patients. Not all. No? Not no. all of them? No, because he wonders they need a secure unit. He's liable to go anywhere at any time? Yes, yes. Even in the hospital, he tries to get out the door. And has he, was he doing that at home as well? Yes. And where would he liable to go? Out, 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 out the front door? He goes out the front door and ends up in somebody else's house because he can't remember which house is his. Isn't it so sad? Yes. Yeah. yes it, must it, it must break your heart. It does, yes. Remembering yes. him in better times. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It must oh, break your heart. As does, does, does he know does, you? Yeah. He does know me. He's um, the type of dementia he has. Um, they say they don't really forget the person. They just forget what they're doing and they can't remember. Like, one of the statements he makes to me is, I don't know what to talk about because I can't think. The frustration from on top of everything else must be awful. It is, yeah. Is it any yeah. wonder he gets agitated, you know? Yes, and he keeps he just keeps asking me to go home and, and I keep trying to explain to him later he can't go home. He doesn't understand that, you see, because he knows you're no. at home and he just wants to go home. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And he gets frustrated in it, and if you don't listen, then he'll he'll start screaming, and you have to try and tell him, look, what we what the way we have it now is kind of look. You're only eighty percent ready to go. You need to be a hundred percent. So we're kind of trying to, you know, get around him that way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can only do that for so long, I suppose. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and you know, with regards to, say, a nursing home, would that be under the fair deal scheme where you would, you know, make a deal with them and make a contribution to his to his, his care? Yes, I have the fair deal forms gone in and everything. I'm still waiting for an answer back from them as well. Yeah. Oh, that, that all takes time too. And what do, what do the hospitals say about the predicament you're in or, or indeed your, your GP or what have you? Well, my GP says he cannot come home. That's not safe for me more than him. Well, I won't go into much of that detail out of respect for him, but I suppose, yeah. let me just say as much as this, that if he gets agitated, there could be a, a risk. Let's, ju let's just yes. say that out of respect for the misfortunate condition but, that the yes. man has. Yeah. And, but they, they, I must say they have been very good and they've said the same thing. So they have been very good. The hospital. But like I said, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. 
husband. And, and he said they can't keep him indefinitely. Yeah. I know that myself. But you know, I've heard actually, unfortunately, of, of nursing home issues where uh, residents of nursing homes and their families have been told that one or two actually are, are, are about to close, as you're probably aware, that, they, yeah. that, that, that the, the residents could be relocated even very far from home or even in a different county. Well, if it came to that, I, 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 I wouldn't mind that because I, I can drive. It just means I wouldn't be going to see him as, as much. That it may not be local to you, you see. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. And I understand that I have been told that already. So I said, look, I said, I have a car, I can drive. But that would be awful, wouldn't it, having to drive? It would be It would be awful. A couple of hours each way. Yeah. Whereas you would, would be, be able awful. to visit most days otherwise. Yes, yes. So I, w- I would prefer I could get place closer by, but or even in the county rather than outside the county. Yeah, there must be awful stress on you because uh, you all, you know, like obviously you love your husband. You remember him in better times when he had his yes. his his full wits about him, for want of a better term, the misfortune. Um, you know, you fell in love and had a great life, and then you saw him slowly slip into into dementia. Um, so you've got all that worry to do, that you know, upset and sadness to deal with. Never mind the stress of trying to find a place that can deal with them properly and professionally. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's very hard. So I have good days and bad days, like where, where a lot of things go around my head, like and, and then, like you said, the added frustration of trying to get a nursing home from doesn't help either. And it, today, now, will you be even contacting more of them? I will. I'm going local online to see can I find any more. Even because I I try to do locally, but I'll have to go more further afield. I'd say. Yeah, hold on there if you don't mind. Um, and I would encourage people to get in touch if they've been through a scenario like yours to see if we can help. But Morris, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Neil? I'm That's good. I'm good. I'm good. Did you hear the conversation I'm having there? Does it ring any bells with you? Oh, it's ringing all the bells completely. I can quite understand what she's going through totally. Um, we had it with our dad, my father, brothers, and my sister, and my mum, which she, she was doing the work of about 10 nurses at home to look after my dad. So we and do you, do you mind me asking about your dad's condition at the time? Um, until he knew that where he was at home, we kept him at home. Was it dementia is what I'm saying, Morris? Yes. Alzheimer's. It, it was yeah, Alzheimer's dementia. Right. Thank and you. Thank you. when it became full then, when it became fully blown up into stage four, um, he he didn't know then where he was. And was explain to us, explain to us the different stages, if you will. Well, the, the different stages of when they start off, they get like when he was starting off there, like he was just a small bit forgetful. He would travel a lot. We found he travelled a lot in his car. The mileage in his car was up. He was going back to places where he worked and checking the places that he'd done. He basically going back to his childhood. God. Eventually, eventually, then he would go into. Um, he would be up at night, and he might clean out the cupboards, or he might turn into pictures, or something like that. And my man would get no sleep, which he would just being the loyal. Um, well, if she was, she'd look after him to, to the last. Then eventually in stage three, they kind of slow down a small bit. And they get ve- they can get very agitated. Um, some can get very, very agitated. More won't. 
But um, I have to say, my dad, no, we're very proud of him because he gave it a great go, you know. He fought it, you're saying? He fought it, he did. He did fight it, he done his best. Because eventually what he was doing, he was putting notes into his pocket, notes into his glasses to make sure, to remind him that he must do something. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I've, I've seen that on documentaries and on television shows. It actually happens, does it? Notes. Yes, they, they put notes everywhere. Um, they're just to make sure that, that they won't forget. And I, their pride might kick in, do you know what I mean? They don't want to be upsetting anyone. And eventually they didn't stay Did you for, see the notes or find the notes or things like that? Oh, I did, yes, yeah. They'd be in his glasses there. We had his glasses there for reading. And, he and would they be prying and asking you what they might say? It just they might say to um, Carlo, make a call. He, he used to love horse racing. So he might just remind himself to watch a race on television. But eventually, like, you know, he was racing, but then he'd have the paper, but he might read the paper upside down um, for a man that could travel the world. That's so Um, sad for families to witness that. It's unbelievable. I can quite understand what that, uh, I don't know what her name is, but that lady there has gone through. Eventually, then, in stage four, they just... Janet. Janet. Hello, Janet. Um, They just... (sighs) Um, they just quieten down and they sit down. They'd be going everywhere, but they wouldn't be able to go because they wouldn't have the stability. And But then at the same time, to where he was then, or where he did go, if you don't mind me mentioning, we were in Glendonough in Dungorn in County Cork. Yeah. Now, they have an Alzheimer's unit there on its own. Most of the, most of the care homes we have are not equipped for Alzheimer's patients. Right. They're I'm learning convalesc- that. I'm they're- learning that. Yes, they are convalescing homes, meaning they're for people who want to come in to spend out their days in good mind and would not be able to be active as they were. How and ever would it be right in saying if you went in as a resident to a convalescent home and sadly developed dementia or Alzheimer's, you, you, would be, yes. you would be looked after there, would you then? Oh God, you would, right. you, you okay. would then, yes. Okay. But okay. most of these care homes do not have the staff required to look after them. Um, it's hard enough for them, you know. Um, but where we went to know, we could not give them full praise to them. The praise that we gave them now, they looked after them so well. And we go down to visit. We'd be able to go into a secure place where they can walk around, but they can't get out. Um, they're looked after. And we just go in and sit down with them and hold their hands. And they'd all come together and hold their hand. And we'd all have an old chat or something. Just give them the positive and they'd be happy. But you can go home then knowing in your in your own mind that he's safe and he's looked after. Getting the proper <laughs> care. And, but would he know you when he'd visit? Would he know the family? And not, and not, and not time he would, if he'll come back. But other than that, no. And when no, it would come back, him. that must have been fabulous when he would come back. Oh God, you'll be, uh, you'll be over the moon thinking that he's going to come around and You'd love to have him back to where he was because my dad travelled uh, England and Ireland and horse racing and he never used had a phone as such. It was always a notebook. He'd write down his horses and he'd read papers and he'd read three or four papers a day. What did he work and at, your dad? He eventually, originally he was um, a construction man. He was with McSweeney's and Pope's Key in Cork. Yeah. They, they had a big, um, they still have it there, but down there, there's flats there now at the moment. I think it was alongside Drummy's shoes. So he was in construction, so, and then when he started to get on well, 
he would be visiting yeah. the construction sites. Is it that's why he would be traveling? Yes, yeah, yeah. He he would go back to the places where he done. He was a machine operator, and we found that he would go back and just sit there and check the places. He would travel miles. And your your ma'am fought the good fight with him and would be up all night when he'd be around the house and things like that. Yeah. Oh God, yes, she would, yes, yeah. But no, to be truthful, to be fair to my ma'am, she was outstanding. You know the care and attention that she did know. But we had to take the choice because if we didn't, um, if the carer falls down, that means the, the wife or the partner, who's going to look after him until he does go oh, in? I understand so that, uh, that, that, I understand that that goes through all families' heads, yeah. you know, making I, a decision I can, like I, that. Yeah, I can just sense it there in Janet's um, voice that she's weaning. You can hear the, the hot and, uh, you know, she's under pressure. I could um, I ask you, Morris, with, with, is it a case that with agitation and if somebody is very advanced and very yeah. confused that it, it oh, actually yeah. could be physical, that it, somebody could be harmed? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very easily so. No, my dad wasn't... My dad wasn't... Um, um, he wasn't aggressive. One, a couple of times he mightn't take the tablet he's supposed to take. Like, but um, other than that, no, I do know all the patients that were... I'm a person myself, which... I know other people that contacted us and uh, dementia, and they were just totally aggressive, you know. And that's that's um, I'm not going into much detail in Janet's scenario, but that is an issue and it is a worry and a concern for home care for her for her husband. But you're absolutely right when you say you marry or you fall in love and you have a life partner. It is for sickness and in health, isn't it? It is. It is yes, indeed. Uh, my mum now was outstanding. We can pray for enough, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even to this day, no, like you know, we'd be still upset that he's not there. You know, um, he sadly passed away eventually, did he? He sadly passed away. He'd be three years late now this year, but um, time flies. But other than that, like we cannot say enough to where he was, that we have. He was put, He was where he was. Um, I think it's worth the effort that she does contact him because they do have a unit there, which is solely private to the to the Alzheimer's patients. And so we should be looking towards nursing care that has the capability to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia. Yes. Yeah. 90, 80 to 90 percent of all care homes are not facilitated. Now, a lot of these care homes do have dementia patients in them. But they don't have the, the they don't have the infrastructure there. They don't have the staff to look after them as they need to look after them. Okay, I think it might be a bad idea to chat with the Alzheimer's Association as well, don't you think? Oh, I think, I think so, yes. Uh, there would be a good help as well. Yeah, yeah. So 80 or 90 of our nursing homes and residential care settings aren't equipped to take patients. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I, well, I think then that was it because I've, I, 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 I have sussed it out and I've looked into it and we've, you know, and all the homes that we did look at, they didn't have us, you know, even though where my dad was three miles away, we have a care home. And we know them, we know full well that it wasn't equipped for a dementia or Alzheimer's patient. So, and how is your ma'am? My ma'am is good now. She's only 85. She's great. She's in great form. She lo- she always, she's about 30 years walking the Cockmini Marathon for charity. <laughs> Um, she didn't do it now these two years because uh, she's um, just a bit of back problem but other than that she'd love to do it again yeah yeah fair she's, play she's always, ra- she's always raising funds for 
the Alzheimer's, you know, society and to give them, to give some, we love giving something back. I was you reading know? recently that there were, just checking it out again this morning, that Eli Lilly has reported its drug uh, Donanimab, which slows the yes. pace of Alzheimer's by about a third. And there are another few drugs like that, actually, that will be rolled out there in trials at the moment. And they're having incredible success in slowing the disease. Yeah. You're probably yes, aware of that, uh, you know. Yes, I am. And especially in America as well. I think there's a drug there that does, it, does very well. As, um, but unfortunately here on this side of the world, we're very slow in rolling them out. You know, I know, I know, I know. We're, we're very slow on rolling. No, as they say, you'll only, you'll only, what can I say? You'll only know that, that the dimension of Alzheimer's there when it hits your family or when you meet your people within the community. But it, it's getting it, it's getting very 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 um I don't know a lot more people are getting a lot more prevalent and but isn't there would be a difference between dementia and Alzheimer's right yeah 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 um, Alzheimer's is in the head it's forgetfulness in the head whereas dementia is the full package i.e. it could be you also get Parkinson's with like and could come in your mobility a lot of people could be great from the head down walking physically good but Alzheimer's is in the head dementia is the full package I would all, I was always of the belief that dementia was of the head you know forgetfulness and no dementia is the confusion. full package yeah there's a lot there's a lot if you read into it there's a lot of things within dementia um, you can get an awful lot of things within the body yeah, yeah. but Al- Alzheimer's is the head only okay okay no I mean the, the original call from Janet was to ask people including your good self yeah the end of her email to me was, I don't know if your listeners would be able to help me at all. Uh, but as we chatted yeah. over the last 10 or 15 minutes, I think we're all learning a little bit more of it, um, including the fact that many of our care and nursing homes aren't equipped or skilled or have the yeah. you know expertise to deal with uh, Alzheimer's or, yes. or patients like coming in with, with Alzheimer's or, or dementia either, yeah? No, we're not, we're not equipped enough. Okay. okay. And, like, and as far as like we said... Uh, our population is, we'll say, we've enrolled the population now, you know, with all the medication that we're being given, that um, people are living longer. But why hasn't so, the HSE got a, a front and centre role in this? If the nursing homes, uh, a lot of them are private, some aren't, of course, but if it's left to nursing homes to deal with, say, our elderly, residential convalescent care, why isn't the HSE aware of the fact that an awful lot of them can't cater or cope or have a place for... So You got lucky with your dad, but Janet doesn't seem to be getting lucky with her husband. They, they kind of say, OK, well, we are now discharging you from hospital. It's the family's problem. Yes, but you see, unfortunately here in Ireland, everything is being privatised. That all government are standing up to nothing. Everything, anything that you look at is privatised. So that they don't have anything to do with it to put into it. Um, care homes don't get no assistance from the government, none whatsoever. They depend on the people who pay. That's Every why, week. and that's why there's the issue with, say, Beaumont Care Home at the moment, and and others who are yeah. who are, f- who are floundering in 
not being able to yes. uh, get enough funding or money and to keep the services going. All right, keep okay, okay, okay. Um, and um, I, have, I have no problem if, if Janice, you want to give my number to Janice, I have gladly talked to her, there's no problem at all. Okay, okay. Well, I'm get the, going to get the ball rolling on this with um, the Alzheimer's Society and I would encourage other people to get in touch if they also have stories to share that might help to yeah. shed some light on this and perhaps also help Janet. But Janet... Have a chat with Morris in the meantime and, and stay listening because you never know my, what might come in the coming hours and days, you know? No problem. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you both. Thank you. And, and, a, and thank you for this, Janet, but a particular thank you to you, Morris. Much obliged to you for sharing your own story and a lot more insight Love than I wasn't aware of. Hall, yes, All right. Mind Very yourself. Much. You have a piece, right? Okay. okay. Text 0868 104 106, lads, if you want to get involved in this conversation, please do pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. And always remember, if you have a story to share and you would like to spend more time sharing the story, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. Just one update on a topic from earlier on. I just mentioned it in passing because if you guys get in touch with me, I'm happy to pass it on. We were talking about the Ryder Cup earlier this morning uh, and an American player, uh, it was being reported saying that players should be paid to, um, you know, take part and appear and perform in in the Ryder Cup, um, got a text in saying the player who has been accused of wanting to be paid uh, was interviewed live on television and has stated that it was not the case and that the claim is false. He stated that it was one person in the media put it out that he wanted to be paid. Thank you for that. Keep those texts coming. Uh, text 0868104106. Then I came across a, a story then that's been shared with uh, some family members of residents in Apparee. Uh, which is um, Appery Living. They operate a 68-bed facility in, say, in Belgooli. They have they have two nursing homes. One is Belgooli and another in Bantry. Uh, and somebody sent me a screen grab of it saying, please be advised that, Ec- that HICWA is escalating the closure of our nursing home to October 24th of this year. We will continue to look for suitable homes for all our residents, but your help and support will be greatly appreciated in this difficult time. And it's uh, a text that message that was sent to families by Appery Living Belgooli. Um, apparently, there were lots of concerns by HICWA with regards to particularly the allegations over monies of residents at the nursing home. Um, and it's a quite a detailed article. They did announced inspections in May uh, and HICWA inspectors said that um, some residents weren't happy with the meals or the staffing levels or their general rights. Um, they found that the home was non-compliant when it came to fire precautions and staffing uh, measures. Uh, but there was one particularly big issue regarding um, the, manage- the managing of the client's money. Um, Appery Living Belgooli Limited managed a resident's client account to hold money belonging to residents, which should only be used for the purpose of maintaining the resident's money, paying the resident's bills and their own personal spending. Uh, but Hickwa said the review of bank statements for the resident's client account showed that a large sum of money was transferred out of this account to another company in February of this year. And this meant that the amount kept in the original account was significantly less than it should have been. Um, it also said that people who were not employees of Appery have been allowed direct movement of monies uh, from this account. So that raised serious concerns um, not appropriately managing the money of its own residents uh, and the report said that there may be, they may be using it for purposes other 
than for the residents it belongs to. Isn't that alarming and worrying? I, I certainly think it is. Um, anyway, we, we certainly will be returning to this of, the, of, the, of, of this, you can be sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough enough, actually, with regards to uh, nursing homes. Don't even start talking about trying to uh, get a GP or trying to get on a GP list. There is absolutely nothing fair about the fair deal scheme. Even with it, my father pays an astronomical amount of money each month and we find ourselves having to find a new home by the 23rd of October as the home where mum is, is closing. Um, I wonder, is that actually, could that actually be uh, Appery or is it another one? Um, when we were told first, they said that we had until February 2024 it's an absolute disgrace how vulnerable our and uh, our elderly are treated. It's the worst disease ever, Neil. Um, Alzheimer's. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. People don't understand how difficult it is for families unless you've been through it. It breaks my heart just watching my mam decline. Uh, St. Luke's is amazing. Uh, my dad was in St. Finbar's. He was on a waiting list. He eventually got into St. Luke's, but sadly only lasted five days after the five, the fair deal was in place. But it was the best five days he ever had. The staff were great uh, and left us in, even all through COVID, as it was the end of life stage. Morning, Neil. That lovely man, Morris, whose father had dementia, appeared to imply that people follow a similar trajectory. I can tell you they don't. There are different types of dementia, but within each time, it impacts each person differently, depending on the part of the brain affected. If it impacts the personality centre, then there could be unrecognisable personality changes with one person, and yet another does not have them because their part of the brain wasn't affected. I have to go to class so I can't talk, but thank you for that update. I don't think that Morris was Im- implying anything. He was he was just telling his own story. I thought he told it beautifully well. I know that you don't mean to criticise him. Of course you don't. Orla, good morning. Good morning, uh, Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. You probably weren't expecting it, but due to the topic we were talking about, I thought you might no, be able to help. <laughs> yes. Go um, ahead. My late mother um, passed away um, just the 29th of May, just gone. Sorry for your troubles. Um, thank you. Thank you, Need. Um, my mother was a resident in St. Luke's Nursing Home in Black Rock Court. Now, the reason why I'm ringing today, uh, this morning, rather, is that that um, conversation that you had with Janice, is it the lady? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, The wife of uh, her husband who has Alzheimer's. There is a fantastic dementia unit in St. Luke's Nursing Home. Um, And is that for um, a resident who would go in with dementia or a resident who might be in there and develop dementia? That, no, I cannot answer. Okay. But okay. all I know is that it's a separate unit. That's why I'm ringing. Yeah. Okay. It's a separate unit. It's within the nursing home, but it's a separate unit. Right. It's well, we can certainly well, we can certainly make some calls ourselves um, if, if we get a little bit of time to, to do so. Your, your, your loved one, your, your ma'am, Anna, My mother, didn't, yeah. didn't have, but you visited and saw the dementia unit. Yeah, correct. My mother did not. Um, my mother did not have dementia. Correct, and um, she, she was in there for other reasons. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And I had stories. Uh, stories rather from other people where they had had their parents that had dementia and was in that unit, and had said to me quite a few times that they were very secure. It was just separate. Now I never saw it when I went down to visit my mother, but I know 
that there's a separate unit within the nursing home. Mm. So that would be definitely worth... Uh, so what happens home. with families who have a loved one? It could be any loved one. It could be a brother or sister, mm. or mother or father, or husband or wife, where they have um, developed Alzheimer's or they have developed dementia and can no longer be cared for at home. There's very limited places yeah, I see, that's the concern and that's what moves me to ring today because of that lady, Janet. Um, like, I mean, there has to be there has to be a care available for anybody who suffers for dementia, not just for the person with dementia, but the family that's, right. that's looking after. That's right. And that's that lady. Yeah, you know? that's right. I bet there's a lot that's of people Janet. listening to us and have been listening this morning who perhaps are going some, through similar situations. Yeah, there needs to be some care because, I mean, obviously the hospitals uh, will say any of the hospitals, you know, if they go in for something, then they they can't cater for that need. But it wouldn't be a long-term bed, nor would you want a loved one in a long-term hospital bed, in a ward. You wouldn't want that. No, no, correct. correct. Okay, okay, okay. You know, so will you please, I I listen to you every morning, but um, I wanted to make sure... That, 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 that's a definite must to make that phone call to that. Okay, I'll that's pass that on. I know, she, I know she's listening, but we will be in contact with her again. Don't you worry about that. We'll pass on that information. Thank you, Orla. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much, Neil. Okay, text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after 10. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Text 0868104106. You talk about being able to get the services that are needed. And I know we were talking, um, you know, about, say, for instance, care of somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia or nursing care. Interesting text then from somebody who says, I'm wondering if you could share my story. My mother-in-law can't even get an appointment with a GP. Anytime she rings, it takes one, two, three days for the phone even to be answered. She just can't get an appointment. She is living in agony with back pain. She spent two days recently trying to get through to an appointment with a GP. She eventually got through. Appointment was organised for last Thursday. Got a text the day before and realised that it was a phone consultation. I mean, how does that work? Uh, you know, giving your symptoms over the phone without, you know, actually meeting a general practitioner or a medical professional face to face. So it was a phone uh, consultation uh, for the following morning at 10.30 a.m. On the day, no one rang. No phone consultation. She's a medical card holder. She's tried ringing most of the GPs in Douglas and Blackrock over the last few days and she can't get any GP to take her on and is living... As our texter says, our mother-in-law's situation is that she is living with chronic back pain. So phone consultations, I, I would have thought those were only a thing during the bad days of COVID, but clearly, is it still happening that you would have a phone consultation? How does it work anyway? How can you properly diagnose somebody over the phone? Um, and then what? What happens then? They email or they text in a script to the local pharmacy and, and away you go? Or is it the fact that it's a medical card and that they're just not taking any more medical card patients? Anybody shed some light on that? Text 0868 104 106. A lot more texts on this, which I'll get back to. I want to get back to our phone lines, if you don't mind, because uh, it's all about talking to you guys. That's what we do. Aileen, good morning. Hi. Thank you for taking the call. You've, you've clearly been listening in the last hour. Your thoughts? I have. I have. <laughs> I have. I tell you... Um, I just said there to Seamus that I actually done a course uh, through the HSE 
it was the, the health nurse actually recommended it. It was for six weeks and it was the best course I ever done. And what was the course about? Uh, dementia and different types of dementia. Okay, okay. And wh- why did you undertake the course? Uh, uh, because I'm minding my mother with dementia. Okay, okay. Okay. And you wanted uh, to oh, learn I more. Made a promise. I actually made a promise to my mother that I would mind her and she promised, she asked me never to put her into a home. And I took it upon myself, I would do it. Well, that I, is an I amazing thing promise. for you to do. You made the promise, you yes. kept the promise and you did a course exactly. to learn how to do it better. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what was, what was before me? What was before me? It was, it, no, it's not easy. I, only for my family as well. Only for my family, I would be lost as well. So yeah. it's not just me, it's my family yeah. and in the household. Yeah. It's just that there's different types. You learn it on the course and you actually learn what's before you. That is the main thing. If you know what's before you, you actually prepare yourself for it. Mm. Mm. Now, as a progressive. Not that easy. Uh, well, I tell you, my mother is, my mother has Lewy body dementia. So, Mammy sees things. No, she's at her last stage now. So, she's gone through her stages. Right. So, my mother now is, was awake Saturday night until last night, 12 o'clock, she went to sleep. No, I'm actually even looking at her now. She's in her chair which we keep doing her same routine. I never change her routine. Right. What's Even the routine? For my carers. Yeah. I have carers coming in in the morning at nine through the HSE. Two lovely carers that come into her in the morning. Mm. That's one thing I will say. Change of faces are a big, big thing mm. with dementia. Mm. I did, like different carers wouldn't work. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Would she get agitated or what? Yes, yes. And she can get... uh, uh, My mother has no function from, say, like, she can move her arms. She'd uh, get very cross. She has a good side and a bad side. See, that's one of the aspects that I touched on with Janet. I didn't want to go into too much detail, um, apart from saying that it could be, let me put it this way out of kindness, it could be with her husband, it's physically challenging. I think you'll know what I mean by that. Yes. Yes. So they have a good side and they have a bad side. So my mother's bad side is her left side. So if you're talking to my mother, you have to talk to her on her left side, Mm. not her right side, because that's her bad side. What do you mean by bad? It's bad. Uh, She... Like if you um, if you actually come into her now and you you know by her face and her expressions, her expressions are a big thing, a big big thing. My mother can have a cross face, so you actually go to her right side. Why? What could happen? Oh, she could uh, use language. <laughs> she could use. She can still curse. She can still curse, and she can belch you. Right, yeah. And, and she and, could belt you. Yeah. Now, my mother has no teeth in her. So, 
she'd try to bite you as well. Okay. All right. We won't, so, out of respect for your mum, I won't, your mum, I won't no, say, no, I won't no, say no, no, it's yeah. nice to, to actually explain it. Oh, well, then if you're happy, people, that's fine. I just don't mean no, to come no, across no, crying. I, I, no, no. A lot of people don't understand. With dementia patients, they like you or they don't like you. My mother loves me when she sees my face. She actually, uh, what would you say, she smiles. She actually is a way of saying thank you. Mm. Now, if there was someone different came into the room, she'll either smile or she won't smile. And if she won't smile, that person, no. it take a while. That person didn't introduce themselves as a, a newcomer. So normally if you go, that's one thing I did learn in the course. Dementia patients are still dementia patients until they're gone. And they still have their eyes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. If you come in and you introduce yourself, hi, my name is such a thing. And if they put their hand out, you know they'll still understand. That's the one thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, what would you say? I learned a lot from the course. And I learned a lot from Tippa Snow. And what's your, what's, you you talk about a routine. What is the routine? Oh, my mother's routine is she has two carers that come in in the morning. I have a hoist, the hoist her out, because I have a bad back as well. And they put her in the chair. I feed her, I feed her twice before the carers come back at one and they put her back into bed. I, I have to keep my mother up because my mother hasn't eaten my mother. I spoon feed my mother for the last two years, two years. So I have to make sure she gets two litres of food. I actually have her on shakes. Right, I know them. Protein shake to keep up her calorie shakes. Her yeah. whole yeah. yeah, her whole thing. That's that's the stage my mother was at. So that's her routine. She goes into bed. She has all her babies, which are big toys, and she has a big big duck, and she loves him. Once he's alongside her, and I have a dog which she holds. Um, Isn't that amazing? She, you know, you talk you yeah. talk about the toys and the dolls and everything. You talk about spoon feeding your mam, like yeah. all of those things that you did when you were a child and a baby, and all of the things and that she, she did for you as a baby. Egg, she fed you exactly. She egg, fed you, and yeah. you had your toys. And now look at the yes. the yes. wheel of life going full circle. That's the stage. That's the stage they go to. Yeah, that's the stage they go to. She often calls me their mama, dada. Uh, she don't. She don't know uh, my name. She don't know my name, Mama or Dada. Uh, no, I mean. no. There is one, one thing. All right. When my brother comes in, she might an odd time think it's Daddy. Now Daddy is dead. Good couple of years. That's the only thing when her eyes light up when my brother comes in. Yeah. 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 So that's my. That's my. My. My story. But I do think a course, definitely, that six weeks course was the best course i ever, ever done. And it was a Geraldine, a nurse, who actually put me onto it. 
Right, and that course for people who may wish to avail is a six-week course at Besborough. And it was in Besborough, it was in Besborough, and it was through the HSC. And what would you, how would you describe your mam's quality of life? Of, of no? Yeah. And my mother is happy, she's happy, go lucky. Um, my mother would sleep now most of the day today. And she will wake tomorrow and it'll be back to the same routine. But my mother could have two nights a week that she'd be awake. Right. It used to be four. used to be four, but it's down to two now. And is she well gone beyond the chats? Oh, God, I'm not yet. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yes. My mother is just barely there. And is it that she will just slowly, peacefully, quietly just slip away? Exactly, that's it. And don't don't even go there with doctors anyway, so you can forget that. Why do you say that? No, no. You won't get no help from them anyway. No. No. My mother my mother got a COVID injection and it was the worst thing I ever done for my mother. Why do you say what happened? It's 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 a bit nasty. <laughs> Nasty as in, my mother, they came down from Dublin in an ambulance. There's two patients they had to come, six patients they had to come down to. Uh, my mother was the second one. She got the injection at four o'clock, 11 o'clock the following morning. I came into my mother and she had the floor destroyed. She had full blown oh, diarrhea. I know, I know, I know. Right? I, for two or three days, I whatever, whatever, and I rang the doctor, and I haven't seen the doctor since. But she so, must have her own unappointed GP, surely. Yeah, but no, 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 no. No I'm interest. For, no, 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 because my mother hurted her hand, and only for the nurse, only for the nurse. That's that's it. No. But there was a time in Ireland, I know it was a long time ago, when GPs were able to do house calls. I mean, I remember it as a child. No, 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 they don't do it. No, no, no. I have no face, no. So that that COVID injection, that was the reaction she had to it then? Oh, and she lost a load of weight. She had it for six weeks, the diarrhea. Six weeks. So when when you obviously would have got some sort of a reminder for a second vaccine booster. No, wait, no, I have no vaccines even myself. Yeah, I, I never got the vaccine after yeah. seeing my mother, not a whole. No, I know that, no. but you just, de- you, you, you declined a booster for her, I'm sure, did you? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm her decision maker. I decide everything for my mother. We, d- we come to an arrangement so, in the family. It's, I, I'm the carer, so I make the decisions and I definitely made that decision. And did ma'am move in with you then, yeah? Man moved in with me when she left above in the region. I'd done the course, and my mother is with me since. And I have two carers in the morning. You have to decide. You get a package, and you decide uh, with dementia whether you want it. At uh, that time, I got 13 hours. And the way it worked is I worked it out that I preferred to have mother in the morning and at, say, 1 or 2 o'clock. To go back into bed, to bed yeah. because if my mother started, it's usually after twelve. Dementia patients really start. When you say start, what do you mean by that? 
they get aggressive. After 12 o'clock, between 12 and 2 are the times that they'll start getting aggressive. But the aggression, whether it's lashing out or the bad language, that must upset you because it's your mother and, and you wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't have all, been... Yeah. All, no, all she, wants to, all she wants to do is go home. Go home, go home, go home. Doesn't make a difference, go home. That's all. They go back to childhood. That's it. That's their memories of when they were uh, a child. That's it. Didn't you, make, didn't you make a very, 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 very powerful promise to your mother, in fairness? I did, and, and my family as well. I have two sons, and they're marvellous as well, and my husband. But it, 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 almost puts, it almost puts a stop on your life, doesn't it? Necessarily, no, no, no. Because everybody's no. pulling their weight and helping, I suppose. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And night times, night times now are are the hardest. I will, I will admit that. At night times are harder. That you may and not be sleeping. Her swallow, her swallow, and you have to make sure she can't get colds, and you have to make sure they're forty degrees up. But that's where that's where the course comes in. All right. Okay. If they get like. For instance, uh, if they don't be fed right, it means that they'll get, uh, what would you say, uh, pneumonia. Because they have two feeding tracks. Not feeding tracks, but you learn how to, if you keep them up at 45 degrees angle, if the food goes down properly, you're fine. But if it doesn't... I have to ask you, because you have a lot of experience in this and obviously are, are living with it. If it were me... Right, um, and as 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 I got older and developed, uh, you know, the, these this awful disease, yeah. I, I would probably not want to be in the situation that your mother and other people find their parents to be in. Talk yeah. to me about that. Is it uh, is I'll it is you, it almost cruel or? I oh, well, a, I I'll actually give you uh, for instance the reason why my mother and me decided together when we had our chat before she went to the doctor. I remember going to my husband and I drove my mother down to be, I was a home beyond Middleton. No, this is not going to be nice. We went in anyway, my uncle was inside there. And my mother said to me, she said nothing. My mother is always score. Went in anyway and there I saw my uncle. Two on a chair, a wheelchair, two things around his ankles and two around his hands. What are things? Uh, belts. Kick, a, kick, kick belts. Is this a long, long time ago? Yeah, uh, about 25 years ago. So 25 years ago, you saw him in a yeah, wheelchair with yeah, restraints yeah. on his arms and legs. And I actually ran out of the car. I ran out of the car. And... After a while, my mother came out and she said, what you run out for? I said, Mom, Mom, there's no way I'd ever, ever go through that. And she said, look, she said, they have to do that. And I just said, no. I said, that never happened to you anyway. I said, yeah. I'll never put you into a home. Yeah. That's when I said it, years and years and years ago. I don't know what kind of precautions a, a nursing home would use now. But I oh, would, yes, I would, yes, um, yes, I would yes. humbly suggest not that. No, but I actually did. I actually don't take uh, the uh, 
the week, you know, the four four weeks you get in the year. The respite. The respite, I don't take that either. Because I had an instance as well. I sent her into a nursing home and two days I had to take her out. I don't want to know where, but why no, did you have to take no, her out? I won't. No, 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 I won't. I won't. All I say is that with dementia patients, they have a routine. And if you stick to it, if you stick to it, it does work. It does. And f- but it what, does. What, what was it that she wasn't being cared for properly or being left alone or wasn't, you know, being checked? Or what was the reason you took her out? Everything, everything. When a person goes, in, when a person goes into the home, do you think she's going to get the care? Do you think that person is going to get the same care as I'm giving my mother here at home? Well, that might be alarming to families listening, thinking, my God, yeah. uh, just questioning as to whether their own loved one is getting the care, because you're yeah, suggesting that's, not. That's, that's my feeling on it. That's my feeling on it. And my family understood that. My family understood yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everyone have a choice in life. My choice is to mind my mother. So my mother's gone back to childhood. If anything, I have learned a lot from her as well. And hoping my, my kids will learn from me as well. Back to I our childhood. I, I, I do think that. Yeah. So yeah. that's my, my... I'm actually looking at her now. She's just sound asleep. All right. Okay. Well, I'll let you get back to the love and care and compassion Perfect. that you show to her. Thank you so much for sharing. I do appreciate okay. it. Much obliged Thank as always to everybody that gets you. in touch. Text 0868 We'll pick it up after the break. Thank you. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Lots of texts. Many people have stories to share. There's a sad one here saying, I can't come on. I would love to come on. I wish I could talk, but it upsets me so much and I would spend the whole conversation just crying. Incidentally, I'm also receiving texts, and rightly so, from people who are saying, with regards to the a uh, woman who texted in regarding her mother-in-law's chronic back pain, can't get an appointment, got a phone consultation for half ten of a morning and on the day of it, no one rang her. She can't get a doctor's surgery to take her on in Douglas or Blackrock and no GP will take her on. A lot of people suggesting that you really at this stage with pain like that should be talking to and making an appointment with South Dock. You're all right in that regard. Thank you for it. I passed that on as a bit of advice. Now, I did mention earlier on Aparee Living uh, in Belgooli. Aparee have a couple of uh, nursing residential homes, I believe, one in Belgooli and another in Bantry. And there were a lot of concerns regarding it. And it is being uh, wound down. Um, they are saying at this stage that they're going to close on the 24th of August. I went through October, I should say. They went, I went through a lot of the issues that Hickwa were unhappy with regarding uh, certainly one of the homes. Um, the home itself and this is from Belgoli, are saying that they're looking for, um, at this stage, suitable homes for the residents. Um, it's a difficult time. Uh, I did get a comment from Aparee Living Belgoli uh, in the last uh, half hour or so. They say they're in the process of being wound down and the home has been regularly updating families on that process. We're continuing to work with the HSC and Nursing Home Ireland to try and source alternative suitable accommodation for our residents who remain our top priority. Now, that would be Belgooli, where they have a 68-bed facility uh, recently announcing that they will close within months, but that closure has been moved up to October the 24th. So that's the statement from them. Keep your text coming. Text 0868-104-106. My apologies to Paul. He's been waiting far too long. Paul, good morning. Neil, how are you? I'm good. Did you want to share your own thoughts on what we've been discussing this morning? 
Yeah, Neil. Um, it's basically in uh, reference to the, your first caller there, Janet, her husband. Yeah. And my mom is in a home. She's been in a home now two and a half years. She's actually in hospital at the minute. But she's been in a home since April, I think, of two years ago. Now, we were told by my, my GP, my mom was the same as Janet's husband. Uh, she was, <laughs> for want of a better term, a bolt, or she'd get up and take off out of the house, you know, uh, things like this. She was a little bit aggressive as well, and my dad was in his 80s, and he just couldn't handle it. So he, uh, we, we both had a chat with her GP, and he told us if she becomes too much to handle, call an ambulance. Now, it might sound extreme, but that's what he advised us to do, so... And was it just your mum and dad in the home together at that stage? Well, my brother was there as well. Okay. My brother was there, but he, he couldn't handle her either. Only by force of such and such. You can't do that with your mum. No, that's but very difficult. it came to a head one day where in heavy traffic, my mum, she just, she went on one and she got out of the car and refused to get back in, whatever. So eventually, um, they, he got her back into the car, got her home and he rang an ambulance and ambulance come on and shifted her to hospital. So in a scenario now, like that, coaxing won't always work or trying to no, have a conversation. Absolute yeah. reason with them just Reasoning. doesn't work, Neil. They're, they're just in a zone and it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. They call it and a changing in thinking skills, poor judgment and reasoning skills, you know? Those kind of absolutely, things. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's no, there's no reasoning with them. You know, when, when they go into a zone, sometimes when she was okay, um, I before now, like two years ago, she was she was fairly okay. You could reason with her, but when she when she was kind of in the zone, as I put it, there's just no there was no dealing with her at all. But anyway, we called the ambulance, shifted her, got her brought up to hospital, um, and after a day or two, the hospital rang my dad, and they said um, your wife now is free to go home. I actually I don't think it was a day or two. I think it was midnight that night, if I'm not mistaken. And my dad said, "I'm sorry, I can't handle her." And now it sounds very, very harsh and sounds awful, but he just couldn't. Um, and he had been instructed, as I say, by his by their GP to to say this. And and you know why? Because forgive me, I don't mean to be interrupting, but it's a valid point you make. But GPs will recommend that type of um, response because it's only with a response like that that you will get the help needed. Well, have absolutely, to say, yeah. You, know, you have You're to you have to be blunt. You, you have to force it. Yeah. Yeah, you're forcing their hand. So, and you know what? Our GP, Neil Dave, my mom and my dad would be lost without him. Like, he was, he's absolutely fantastic to them. But anyway, she went in, uh, she was coming out of the hospital and my dad um, said, I'm sorry, I can't have her home. Like, sounds awful again, as I say. But, and lo and behold, they found um, a place for her in the nursing home. You know? They found a place for her in the nursing home. Uh that lady, Janice, yeah. she needs to go up to the farm centre in your farm centre in Denny's Cross. Yeah. They handle all the financial kind of aspects now, the, the fair deal scheme and all that kind of thing for um, nursing homes, etc. And you know what? They're very, very helpful up there. We found them absolutely brilliant. Okay, well, Janet's situation is where, where we stand right now, and this started it all off. We got a lot more conversations from people and their own life stories, but. Her, say, for instance, her husband is still in hospital and there's a hold on the bed, which means that he will stay in the bed until some kind of a plan is, is in place. She's meanwhile scurrying around trying to find a nursing home. But I don't imagine that the hospital are doing that for her because if they were, she'd have said that to me. But they should be, Neil. And that's calling for that. That's again, forcing their hand. Um, they, 
there's a hospital administrator or a nursing home administrator, a few of them in each hospital. And if and when their hand is forced, like my dad and us, we did, and both my mom, they have to find their home. And I'll go, I'll, I'll fast forward to the present tense. We're, we're in the process of finding a new home now for my mom. She's in the hospital. She's nearly ready to come out, hopefully within a week or two. Um, but we weren't happy with the, the last nursing home for various reasons. So we're refusing to let them let her go back there. And could I ask, and without knowing the nursing home, why you were unhappy? There was a few reasons, Neil. Um, first of all, we discovered she was being served cold food. <sighs> Second of all, she was, my mom would she come down to the day room when she was kind of able to walk as such. Um, and she'd be, she did put her in a kind of a wing back chair and she'd start falling asleep and she'd lean forward. She'd be, she'd be leaning forward so far that she was ready to fall out of the chair. And no one seemed to be doing anything about it, you know. Thirdly, she developed a bad skin rash there going back uh, maybe three months ago. And they were treating her and treating her and treating her, their own GP. Um, I've had meetings with the, the administrator down around the GP since, but I wasn't happy with, with, any, with any of them. Um, and they, I said to the GP, I, she, the, the rash got worse and worse anyway. The rash got worse and worse. So my brother, my youngest brother's partner works in a GP surgery and she took a picture of the rash and she showed it to one of the doctors in the surgery and he said, look, I'm not 100%, he said, it's only a picture but he said, has there been a scabies outburst, you know and and we said, no, not as far as I know I don't know, so they were, like she, their GP didn't treat her or didn't diagnose her with scabies, which it, which it turned out to be, it did. Now, turn I had out a meeting with them. Yes, it is. Yes, it did. Yes, that's why she's in hospital, O'Neill, because um, her legs were. It got so bad that we have pictures of it, and honest to God, I'm not squeamish by any means, but the pictures of her legs—they were black and yellow and pus all over them. They'd make you sick. They were vile. Okay, scabies is vile. an infestation scabies. of the skin by mite, human itch mite, yeah. uh, who burrow into the skin and lay their eggs. It's awful. Yeah, but awful. apparently, Neil, it's okay. It's hard. To, it's hard to diagnose. But if it's diagnosed fast enough, and apparently, um, it's known for breaking out in nursing homes. And who diagnosed and it, it ultimately? Um. Well, the hospital, the hospital was furious when my mum came in. First of all, that she wasn't brought in in an ambulance. And second of all, that she had to be brought in by my dad and my brother in the car. And they literally had to kind of, like her lack of walking now and her, her rash and whatever, they had to literally peel her in and out of the car to bring her to the hospital. My but God. they diagnosed her up there. And um, they were and annoyed about the di- oh, having they were furious that that diagnosis was wasn't made vivid. sooner. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely pure. So, as I say, I had meetings with the GP in the home, and look, I got no satisfaction. She apologised to me, and she looked. That's no good to me. Like, you know, that's no good to me. So, when you, you so okay, so this the scabies rash. The uh, you're talking about a, a a lack of supervision. You're talking about being fed cold food. When you would visit, um, would would you have seen other residents also in a similar scenario with little or no supervision? Hmm. No, well, there was nobody that I've seen, Neil. Um, she was in, first of all, she was in a secure unit in within the nursing home. And sec- after a while, she was brought out of that for whatever reason. They explained it to my dad. No, I can't remember. But she seemed happy enough outside of the unit. And she was, um, her aggressiveness had died down an awful lot. She could, she could barely move, I've been honest with you. Um, so she, 
all the other, from what I could gather, my, in the day room now is basically where I see them, or my, my dad and my brothers, and all the other residents in that wing seem to be compass mentis, you know, they, they, they weren't... But uh, your mother wasn't, but she was with no, those that were, wasn't. yeah. Why, no. why would the, I know this might sound silly, but why would the food be cold? Was it that she had to feed herself and wasn't able to, or, or what? Well, she was, I, I tackled the administrator in the home now and the GP on this, and they said it's quite, apparently they said my mom would be up and, up and down pacing the corridors in the middle of the night. Now, personally, I didn't believe that she was able to do that, but they said, yeah, she can get a sudden burst of strength or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So when she came into the nursing home, or came into the, the day room, sorry, that she would fall asleep. And they said they didn't want to wake her because she had been awake all night, apparently. And they said they were reheating her her food when she wake up to yeah. give it to her. Yeah, which now, is what you'd want them to do. This. My dad had fed her countless times and he never even copped it. It was actually a friend of the family who was down to visit my mom, she, my mom's best friend, and just shortly before she went to the hospital. And she felt the food. She went to feed my mom. And she felt, she felt the food and the food was stone cold. So she didn't. I don't think she said anything in the home. She said it to my dad. My dad said it to me. And lack of sleep. Oh, sorry, a lack of staff. I wonder. Well, apparently that's it as well, Neil. And um, my dad and brothers have met a couple of nurses in the in the in the hospital since, and they said that there was very very little staff in that particular nursing home okay, and that okay. they were the, the standards have gone way way down you know okay so your mum now is moving and you're lucky enough to have found another one yes and that's fast forwarding to, to nowadays that's where Janet comes in there again I I was told by someone in the HSE well my dad and my brother were told actually by somebody in the HSE that we the HSE cannot legally force my mum out of the hospital force her back to any nursing home, be it the nursing home she was in or any other one, without our say so. So Janet should be similar. I'm no expert, Neil. I'm okay. only going on my okay. own story. But Janet should be in a similar situation. Now she needs to hurry along the fair deal scheme. But again, in a situation where she's in worries, okay. they're in hospital. The HSC will do that if you if you if you force them to. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. I tell you what, I have two callers here, Sarah and Rachel, who are both gone at 11. So if you don't mind, I'll clip ahead. But thank you so much for sharing this morning. Um, he's uh, With regards to Janet's husband, he is on the emergency list for a place in a nursing home in North Cork. But as always, we hear of that. He's at the bottom of the list and God knows how long that list is. Now, as I said, two calls that I must chat with before 11, uh, Sarah and Rachel. So, Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And I know you're under pressure after 11, so thank you for holding yeah. for me. Tell me about your mum, no. your mum. So, my mum was lucky enough to get into St. Luke's um, back in 2015, 2016. And I just saw some in the Alzheimer unit and there was just some lovely, lovely stories going on in there. So I just want to share one or two because it was the most difficult decision of my life today to actually have to put my mum in there. Um, nobody wants their mum to go in there, but it's it's lovely in the sense that I would key in the number to get into the ward and I'd only just get inside the door and mum would see me and come over with two other ladies and the four of us then would link and walk around or sit down and chat. But these two other ladies, they probably saw me, I go daily, they probably saw me more than they did anyone else. So they thought I was in to visit them as well. Did you include them in your visit? 
Pardon? Did you include them in your visit? Oh, absolutely. Like, they'd come over. I, if, they, if they got to me first and held an arm each to link me, my mum would have to go link on to them. She wouldn't even get to link on to me. And that was okay because three of us then, well, four of us including me, we'd walk around and we'd just laugh and chat. My mum didn't have speech at the end, but she was able to enjoy company. And I never know, I suppose, if she actually recognised me, but I know she recognised love and kindness. And I think that's what the two other ladies recognised. And that's why when I went in, you know, we'd all go around and share the visit together. But on the daily visits that you did, you never saw anybody visit these other two ladies? Oh, no, never. No, but that would be a lot. Oh, that would be a lot of people, Neil. Would it? Oh, yeah, yeah, because there was another lady there and she was quite elderly. And back in the day, I suppose you'd call her a posh lady. And sometimes I would take my two youngest kids and it's only after a while I realised they wanted to go up because obviously they weren't allowed to use language but knew that the holy name, you know, things like this, they weren't allowed to use. And there was one lady there and she was You'd call her a posh lady. You know, she's still dressed very well and very well groomed, and, but she was in a wheelchair and she'd speak very posh. And But if she'd say, will someone get me out of my wheelchair? And obviously, you know, she'd only have asked and then she might use the holy name or something. And my kids thought it was fabulous that someone was allowed to use this language. They wanted to go up very often. And then one day she was really, she was a bit stressed and I'd heard that from one of the nurses previously that she bought a very expensive coat in cashes many years ago when it was cashes and that she just loved shopping. So to distract her until the nurse got to her, I said to her, oh, I said, would you like to go shopping? And straight away, her eyes lit up. She said, oh, yes, I would. I said, where will we go? And I said, we go to Penny's. And she said, no, oh, no. And she used a string of language. And I remember skitting because I knew she'd noticed going to Penny's. And then I said, okay, will, will we go to cashes? And the difference, and she was chatting about cashes and all the things she bought there. I know, wasn't so, it very kind of you to take the time? And the two men that were there, oh, you, you described them as living the outside world inside. Oh, Give me, yeah, explain that. I just think, I think, oh, it, it, it's just, for, it's emotional to even think about. I went in to visit my mom and I went later, it was later in the evening, about seven o'clock, and over the time I went in there, these two men got very, very friendly. And they're from Douglas and Turner's Cross, I think. And they got very friendly with each other. And it was lovely to see them always together. All, they were always talking. But this time when I went in, they were both wearing their coats, jackets, and they were sitting down. And I sat near enough to them. And anyway, I was, I was looking. They washed. Why are they wearing their jackets? And it was quite warm. So anyway, one of them raised their hand with the nurse who was behind the workstation. And they said... Um, Another round, please. <laughs> so I was waiting to see what the nurse was doing. She went away, she came back with two bottles of beer. <laughs> and I, my mouth and I was sitting on my lap and I'm looking, saying, <laughs> I was actually wondering where I was because I was saying, okay, they were giving two bottles of beer. And then I said, uh, they were drinking away and I said to the nurse afterwards, I said, she'll just give me beer. She said, yeah, one, one of the men's family dropped in beer and they bought extra now for the friends, so we're allowed to give them two a day. When they so every to. evening they dress up, have a drink together like as if they were in the local pub? Yes, and the reason, you won't believe it, Neil, I turned around and I said to them, I said, why don't you take off your jackets? It's quite warm. And the man turned around and said to me, but he said, we've only come up for one or two, so we're getting the bus after this, he said. 
so um, we're going home so we keep our jackets on. And the, was all this in the Alzheimer unit? In the Alzheimer unit, yeah. So for me, I thought it's like living their outside life inside. Oh, they still lovely. were going and to their pint. They were still meeting up with a friend and having a chat. I just... And tell me, and I'll leave you leave you get on with yeah. your, your day then, but yeah, yeah. you say that you saw many people who would never get a visit. Could it be that they never had children or that they were widows or widowers? Or, or forgive me for asking, that is could, it that their family that, didn't care? I don't know. I never met someone that their family didn't care. The nearest you would get to, well, and it's not even not caring. It's like, I know there was um, there was a few... Um, professional people I suppose that maybe lived outside Cork but they would pay someone privately to come in even though this person was in at home they would pay because I thought this lady was related to this lady she used to look after but she would go in twice a day in the morning to get the lady up and ready she'd pop back in the evening for an hour or two to keep but her they were paid yeah, her dress. Yeah, they yeah. were paid privately um, no I think anyone that had family had visitors yes. but there was a lot of people in there that just don't have family and you know so you could just bring them up find out if they needed some fruit or something but most importantly they just recognised that someone wants to speak to them and sit down and well done you everything. Yeah, no, well done so, you for taking the time yeah. it's a wonderful oh, thing well done other, other visitors would do the exact oh sure I know but it's your, it's your story Rachel yeah, thank I you so much thank you so much yeah. thank you You're lovely so to chat with you take care okay. uh, okay. chat with Sarah after the break two seconds get it off your chest Text The Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM. Uh, Sarah's on WhatsApp. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, how are you? And I appreciate that you're not available after 11, so I've got about four minutes with you. Um, just just give me your thoughts. I think you have, you have a background in this experience as a carer and, and nursing and things like that. Yeah, um, so I heard that lovely lady a while ago talking about her mother in respite and how she had to take her out. Um, but I, I just felt the need to kind of put people's minds at ease because I suppose it is a massive thing to have to trust other people to care for your loved ones, you know. And my experience, I, I work agency, so I, I've been in lots of nursing homes around the country. And I have to say, like, the majority of nursing homes and community hospitals like good carers they really do love their residents like their family does mm. you know mm. and mm. no I, I don't I don't think that we're painting a, a very broad brush of, of neglect or lack of supervision or what have you but you know individual people tell individual stories um, Paul, you know the Paul's one earlier on regarding regarding his um, his mam left a lot to be desired in that case but is it is it, it when these things arise though believing what Paul had to say is that is that just a lack of staff or a lack of care or you know you see people maybe in nursing homes that are just forgotten about or left alone all day yeah you know look there's so many variables to it um but the times that i have seen poor care unfortunately you know it it does happen Fortunately for me, uh, it's few and far between, but yes, it can be um, short staff, um, heavy workloads, um, very heavy workloads in a lot of places. Like I've, I have, there is, you know, one setting and I won't say where, but you know, there was carers crying because they couldn't give any more than the basic of care. And, you know, as a carer, you want to go in and it's more than just doing 
the basics. It's more than just providing hygiene care. It's you want to spend time with them and chat. And, you know, that's so important. It's so important. But Would the ratio of residents to each carer or nurse be too many, is it? That they have too many to look after themselves? Yeah, yeah. So like you might in very, very heavy places, you could have 18 people, you know, with two carers to get up. And, you know, unfortunately it happens and it's heartbreaking and you can give the basics and go. Um, But, you know, it's not not cheap. Um, You know, I know that the state picks up a, a wedge of it, but families also do. It's substantial amounts of money. It could be a grand, yes. 1500 it could be two grand a week. Um, yeah. Why don't they employ more staff? I mean, their profits must be healthy. Absolutely, I agree with you. There should be more staff. Um, there should be more staff hired. And um, believe you me, like good carers will flag this and will bring it up. But you see, and there has been places that I have contacted Tikwa and said, look, the, the workload is too heavy. People can't give more than the basics. And it comes back down to one, can't get staff because they're paying minimum wage in some places. And two, uh, unfortunately, Ireland doesn't have set ratios um, that, okay, so many carers for this many residents, you know, which needs to come into place, no, in my personal no, opinion. It, it's you know? very important because uh, I remember talking on the air some time back. One story that's never left me was a. Uh, an elderly um, parent who went in for, it was a respite for, for a week or 10 days or what have you, and walked in with a, actually walked in with the aid of a walking frame, um, mm-hmm. but, but actually at the end of respite came out in a, came out in a wheelchair. So yeah. that would clearly yeah. indicate to me that that was somebody who was left just sitting all day, not saying necessarily forgotten about, but only, to, only dealt with at, at critical times, maybe for you know, yeah. food or yeah. drink or changing or getting out of bed, but came out in a wheelchair Absolutely. because of lack of, of movement. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's devastating to see that. And, you know, this just comes back to the healthcare system in Ireland. You know, it's it's really, a lot of the times, not, not fit for purpose. This shouldn't be happening. There shouldn't be people going in, you know, fairly independent with a Zimmer frame and coming out totally deteriorated. Mm. You know, like, mm. you know, when I'm going into a hospital, uh, like let's say as a student nurse my role is to try get them back to their baseline before they're discharged if you, if you have in a nursing home let's say and they're coming in for respite and there is serious short staff you know unfortunately that means that people get you the basics can't. And you can't do yeah, what you as a professional want to do absolutely yeah. and it is it is heartbreaking now I, I, as I said for me from the, and I've been in well over 20 different facilities in Ireland. Um, majority of the time, the care is fantastic and that doesn't happen. But it, there needs, I definitely think that Ireland needs to move forward now with set ratios so that HICWA can really look at the workloads compared to carers and nurses within the... Because at the moment, if you pull something up to HICWA, like the workload is too heavy, they, they don't have the set ratios to enforce it. Okay. All right. Thank you for your contribution, Sarah. Thank you to Sarah. Thank you to Rachel. Thank you to Paul. Uh, A lot of texts actually regarding Alzheimer's and and dementia. Um, These terms are often interchangeable, incidentally. They they have different meanings, I know. Uh, I will come back to that and those texts and calls after 11. Now... Prenderville Show, Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, with regards to Alzheimer's and uh, forms of 
dementia. The government is a disgrace and the HSE hasn't a clue. Remember, the government left older people die during this so-called pandemic. Did you even see in Saturday's examiner that managers got a bonus payment for dealing with Ukrainians? What a joke. As Kino would say, they were doing their job. Do a poll to see if the HSC should be abolished, says Frick. And he's right, actually. There was a, an article in the Examiner that said that 1.4 million euro was paid to managers of Ireland's social welfare offices in 2022, in part to recompense for the, you, the number of Ukrainian nationals whose claims they had been tasked to process. Um, one would think that it would be part of their job. But nonetheless, 1.4 million was paid in compensation for the number of Ukrainian nationals um, who were claiming um, different forms of payments uh, through our systems. Um, you talk about Alzheimer's or you talk about uh, dementia, Neil. They call it the long goodbye. Uh, a lot of texts on this. We did the plumbing in St. Luke's home a number of years back. The staff are brilliant, very friendly and caring there. I was also in the dementia ward and I had great crack with the payments. It's an awful, sh- with the patients, I should say. It's an awful shame to see people slip away like that. Uh, I agree with the lady on the phone. A family member has dementia and we have absolutely no help from GPs. It would appear to us that GPs have no interest once you have cognitive decline. We also got advised by a consultant in Ireland at the time not to give the vaccine to family members. And they said that when it came out first, there were too many unknown side effects. That's um, in response to uh, one of our callers earlier on talking about her beautiful man. I too looked after both parents for a number of years. My mother had dementia, but wasn't too bad. It was very upsetting to see your mother decline and in a sense, just fading away. I provided the security and the care as best I could. I think the inability for her to communicate at times was so difficult and fearful, but we just learned to adapt and to try and put her at ease. They're both gone now, my dad only recently, and of course we're left with the journey of grief now. At least I have no guilt, thank God. Condolences, Neil, on the death of your dear dad. I do know it's hard. Well, thank you for that. Your people are just so kind. Morning, Neil. My, both my parents had dementia, and if they ever had to go to hospital, we had to stay with them. Uh, the Mercy Hospital uh, lost my dad in the hospital for three whole hours. Um, I suppose he was uh, wandering around and they, they couldn't find him because of the condition he was suffering. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just thinking out loud. As a healthcare professional, it's my opinion that some nursing homes are not fit for purpose in at least two areas. Some nursing homes. Minimum wage for the healthcare assistance and extremely heavy workloads. It may be best not to frighten residents and families, but more needs to be done regarding private and for-profit nursing homes. Really, I feel it's not appropriate. And HICWA and Ireland have no set acceptable ratios. So I do not see how heavy the workloads actually are. So they don't see how heavy the actual workloads are. Um, now, we did, I know we are talking about, about nursing home care. And also it started this morning at 10 past nine this morning. But the lack of places within nursing homes for a family member who may have Alzheimer's or, or dementia um, and the inability to get the care that's needed, particularly if they um, uh, would be maybe physical um, or where there'd be, you know, some aspect of maybe um, maybe lashing out and, and things like that. 
Uh, I can't come, particularly if, if the carer the carer is themselves an elderly person or an elderly partner. Think about how difficult that could be. Um, just one more for now. I can't come on here, but my dad got a stroke at the age of 63. He went into Ballincurrig Nursing Home. He spent nearly eight years in there. My mam was diagnosed with Alzheimer's less than 12 months later. And we kept her at home until we could no longer give her the care she needed. She too went into Ballincurrig to join my dad, where they spent their last days together. My dad died on the 6th of October 2017, and my mam died on the 6th of November 2017. My dad's month's mind was when mam died. They got absolutely brilliant care in Ballincurrig. At the time, it was run by Elaine, Margaret and Sylvia and their exceptional staff. I never had a complaint with the seven and eight years they spent there. Wonderful nursing home. Uh, one, there are wonderful nursing homes out there and we couldn't be happier with the 100% level of care that our mam and dad got. And one final one, James says, to those people who have been in touch this morning that just can't get GP care, a suggestion for that lady that's having an issue with getting a GP appointment, webdoctor.ie and other online GP services offer video consultations and issue any prescriptions required. They usually offer same-day appointments from what I remember, says James. Thank you for that. I'm learning more and more about this, that we're moving ever so slowly, or maybe not so slowly, towards a society where um, more and more of our care or our health issues will be addressed by either phone consultations or video consultations. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. That was a lovely text there from uh, a daughter who was chatting about or texting about her mum and dad being together in a nursing home. It reminded me of uh, an Instagram post that it was actually my wife shared it with me last week. It was uh, from Tennessee in America, where a couple who were married for 69 years. Uh, spent their last moments together holding hands in hospital uh, together in their own hospital beds pushed up next to each other and photographed holding hands together Um, this couple had been married as I say for nearly seven decades and they did spend their final uh, days and weeks and hours together holding hands in the hospital in Tennessee and then Tommy Stevens died on on the 8th of September at the age of 91 one day before what would have been their couple's the couple's 69th wedding anniversary uh, his wife, Virginia, also aged 91, died nine days later. And a beautiful photograph, um, 69 years together, um, and spent the last days and weeks and indeed hours of their lives uh, in the same room, beds pushed up together, holding hands. It's a, a lovely story. Um, we also I got a statement earlier on from Appery Nursing Home in Belgooley, which I read out to you, which will, will close in a number of weeks. And Hickel went in there and found... Issues uh, went through them earlier on. I uh, also received a statement then from the HSE who said, we are aware that this private nursing home has been issued with a closure order. Uh, it's a closure order. A HSE team is working to support residents under the nursing home support scheme to find suitable alternative placements. We understand that this is a difficult time for residents and their families and we will continue to assist them in identifying placements in other nursing homes in the region. Um, now, like, if you, if you look at that, where did I put it? If you look at the dates involved here, right? Um, so the HSE are saying that they are working to identify placements for, um, you know, other nursing homes in the region. But if the date that's been given 
that HICWA have said you you must close and there were issues they went through earlier on this morning I'm going to repeat myself but that the nursing home will have to close on the 24th of October right uh, so that is in you know 23 days time um, what, are we putting the cart the, the cart before the horse here uh, forgive me I'm, I'm just suggesting and, and not for me to be second guessing HICWA or anything but you would think that will they be able to are they saying that they will be able to find places for um, 68 different residential uh, patients or people who are living there between now and the 24th of October? Or would it have made more sense to keep the nursing home open under strict conditions until a place has been found in other nursing homes for them? Just, I'm just thinking out loud. Which is better? Because the challenge now for the HSE is to find a place for each and every one of the residents before uh, the 24th day of October. Uh, I'm just I'm just suggesting, uh, back to the phone lines we go. Martha, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, and, and I know that you're part of the super team down in St. Luke's and have been for a long time, I'm told, yeah? I am. I'm very proud of all the team down there. They're fantastic, yeah. I, do you know what? Like, I'm listening there. I'm very emotional, you know, like, it's just when you work in a very good nursing home and then you hear people ringing in like you're in the zone when you're working there but then you hear people like talking about where you're working like Jesus I, I work there like yeah mm. and that they're talking about us mm. and like when that lovely lady spoke about like going into the Alzheimer's unit and people having nobody like Neil some people genuinely have nobody you know it's very sad yeah yeah and are there different you know? reasons for that that people would be in there with no visits like we would have a good few residents in there that genuinely would have no family members at all which was one like, of the points I made. They may never have yeah. had children. They may be widows exactly. or widowers. Yeah, exactly, or bachelors or anything like that. So, like, I, I remember now working Saturday night, and I only just said it to my parent there. I was working away, and I popped my head into this woman, and I said, "Are you okay?" I said, like, "I'm not. I'm very lonely." <laughs> and like, it broke my heart. I was sitting down there, and I was like trying to bring all the residents in. I was like, "Right, we're reminisce about years ago, and we'll talk." But like, we've one lady that was t- turned a hundred there um, a few weeks ago, and she was like, "Oh, I turned a hundred and then the other lady, and they were all talking about years ago. And then another lady saying, "Oh, I worked, I played camogie for Cork, Mary O'Leary," and I was like, "And they were all talking to each other." Then I was like, "God, like, this is what care is about." But have you, know? you time like, to do that, Martha? You see, that's no, the thing. No, no, we don't. It's it's we're rushed off our feet, Neil. Like we try our best to give the best care. They do get the best care, but it's a very tough. It's a very hard job. Like I go home sometimes feeling guilty. Have I done enough? You know, have I really done enough? And it's a very underpaid job, Neil. You know, very mm. very underpaid job. Mm. Um, but on the flip side of that, I love it. Now I don't know it's because of the way I was reared. I was brought up by my parents, but like this job isn't for everybody. You have to be a certain type of person to do this job. Do you know, and like where I work, there's a fantastic team there. We have an outstanding daycare centre, which is a, a lifeline for loads of families. Mm. We have an outstanding volunteers come in. We have a fantastic activities team. But like the healthcare assistants are the heartbeat of the home. Do you know, all they too often in Ireland, care. and maybe it's the same all over the world. I don't know, but the most, some of the most important jobs, most critical jobs, are the badly paid yeah. ones. You know. Very badly paid, very badly paid. For, and it's a first injustice for the work that we do, Neil, because we're like their second families. They're all, they all, like, when we come in, they're delighted to see us, you know? And, like, you can have people in there, they have nobody. So, like, at Christmas, I know we'd, all the staff would give in money or, like, the home would give in money, we'd get presents for people. Or, like, if I'm doing my shopping, my dad would say to me, who is that for now this week? I'd be picking up little bits and pieces for them, you know? And are there others like, like you that would go the extra yards? Oh, there is, there is. There's an awful lot of us, there is, yeah. There's an awful lot of us like that. The Lord, there is, there really is, yeah. But Neil, you kind of have to really... Shop I for suppose, them. 
buy him little gifts. Shop, shop for them, yeah. Or like we might, we might go to um, like the activities team, or we might go to the nurse or the manager. We might say, look, this lady has nothing, and they say, right, go off and get the few bits for them and bring them back into the home. And like, or sometimes you might do it over your own back, Neil. You know, you might just do it over your own back at Christmas time. It doesn't have to be Christmas. There's not time I might pop into pennies and pick up a few bits for one or two residents. I have no family out of my own back. And if they, for those that don't ever get a visit, do the volunteers sit with them then? Is that part of their... They do, the volunteers. Like, they'd be a very good activities team now as well, so that we try and always bring them up to activities, you know. Um, or like the daycare, I was saying, that would be a lifeline. But like, it's the evening times then when everything's kind of quieting down, like, and they just want you to sit with them, do you know. Um, and just hold their hand and let them know that they are safe and we're all here for them and they're not on their own and we and we love them very much. Yeah, but they might. They might. Yeah, oh, yeah. You upset? I am because it's very sad. Neil. And so you know what? Like we work so hard and like the government need to wake up and see that like why don't they pay us better? Do you know? It's just it's so sad that like, you give it your own. It's not good enough. But the private non for the private <laughs> for profit nursing homes. They're the, they're the employer. They're the ones that pay the wages. They're the ones that are making the profits. Um, uh, they're, they're, I know, Neil, but you see, I suppose, like, us below, like, we're half charity, half HSE, so, like, the, the link was broke there. Like, the HSEs have don't fund our nursing home anymore, so we we um, thrive on charity work, do you know? And, like, um, the voluntary things that, so, like, we thrive on, like, people, like, charity work. Like, me, like, I have family members like that I've looked after residents for years and they still come in and like they're like we well, like what can we do to help you like I'm I'm in the home twenty years. I still get a Christmas card of people twelve, thirteen years ago. Like if that that goes to show the the care that we give Oh, listen, you know, I like, know, I, I can't talk necessarily to, to nursing homes, uh, although I have been in many of them in my life. Yeah. Uh, particularly yeah. during during respite visits. But, yeah. but certainly in the case my father spent some time in St. Clair's and St. Finbar's and I know I spoke about it on the air a couple of weeks back but the staff there I mean you just you just could not get nicer kinder no. more patient more generous yeah. with their time staff uh, and they do it day in and day out and um, you know yeah. um, and, and, and imagine, I that, I imagine like, that people come in and they stay for a period of time and they do it for them and then somebody else exactly. is in the room or the ward or the bed and they continue to do it it just they never stop giving of their time and, I, I'm, and yeah. I'm sure and I'm sure that if any of them were in a position to talk, they would feel overworked and undervalued. Yeah, and that's not, how we not, feel. Not, 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 yeah. not loving their job. Loving their job, yeah. but overworked and undervalued. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, like, like when you think of nursing homes, there's like this very bad picture of nursing homes, like, oh my God, nursing homes are shocking. But, like, if you come into it, like, if you come into St. Luke's, like, and you see all the, all the hard work and stuff, like, we all, we give it our all. We do our best. Like you're isn't, in there for 12 yeah, hours and you're, yeah. you're in the zone, Neil. Everything else comes second. But isn't you know? it sad when we hear stories of loved ones whose mother or father might um, be in, in early or middle or late stage dementia mm. or Alzheimer's and they're trying to mind them at home and it's becoming very incredibly sad. difficult for them? Oh, it's very, very sad. And even respites that we would get in, like you would be thinking that, like when they go home, are they okay when they go home? Like with the home helps coming and will they be okay? So like you're constantly worrying about people or like family members that come in themselves. They're like, they'd be saying like, we might have some um, husbands or wives that might come in and there's like the wife, the husbands are coming to see their wives. It's a very lonely life for them. Neil, they're going home to them to help them with their wife. Terrible. Do you know? It's 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 very very sad, but like we all I can say is we try and our we try our best. We're not perfect. There's nobody perfect, 
but like we're doing our best and we're constantly trying to educate ourselves and all we can do is our best. I, it's just an awful pity that the government don't see like the hard work that we do, you know. Like it's it's a very special job that we do and it's an awful pity that we like Neil, we should be on the top rate of pay. Mm, mm. Do you know? Like we, for like, the care that you give. Actually, the there, there, are many, give. there are many, many jobs that people have or career paths that they can have that they can leave behind at work at five o'clock yeah. or, or for the weekend. I think that you, you're, you, you, you're always thinking of the people that you're looking after, you know, you are even when you're not I mean, working. You do, and you get very attached to them, you know, very, very attached to them. Like, they are like your second family. You get very attached to the people you're caring for and you get very attached to the families. Do you know, and you get very attached to your colleagues. I think I'm in the home so long because I have great colleagues behind me. Mm. Do you know, mm. I have great, like, very special people down there. Like, I have best friends there for life, you know, but it's very hard to leave at the door, especially during COVID times when we were worked off our feet. Like, it's very hard to leave at the door, you know. Like, I you're can well imagine yourself. you can't. You just can't switch you off can, to something like Hold Anyone on a second. Anyone that says you yeah. can. Yeah. You can't. Like, yeah. you really can't. Yeah, hold on a second there, Martha, if you don't mind, just before I let you go. Yeah. Freddie, good morning. Good morning, how are you, Neil? I'm good. Um, just chatting with Martha there, you wanted to jump in, go ahead. I did actually, uh, um, Martha Buckley. Are you on speakerphone there, Freddie, no? Yeah, uh, well, I turned that down once. Would you just okay, do, it the you old, do it the old-fashioned way? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just making a, 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 a comment there on the, the person you're talking to, Martha Buckley. She, look, she looked after my wife. My wife, as she died in, in St. Luke's, in, in 2017, she was in there for five years, and as I said, the staff in there were exceptional, exceptional. And and this girl you're talking to now, Martha Buckley, she was a, a diamond, an absolute diamond to my wife. You know, you said and, that uh, Martha gave ex- absolutely exceptional care. Absolutely, she, she was like she was there. There was Martha Buckley, you know, and there was three people that kind of stood out. Uh, there was another girl, Eileen Me, and she died. Uh, a few months back, you know, and she was another very caring person. And then there was Sandra Sullivan. Sandra was in charge of the unit down there, and uh, the 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 friendship that I built up with these people you know, was was second to none, second to none. And when I when, when when my wife went in there first, she went in there in 2012. Mm. Mm. Do you mind me asking why? Can you hear me? Yeah. Do you mind me asking why your beautiful wife went in? Well, uh, I tell you, it goes back uh, uh, a few years before that. Uh, her mom, if you remember back, uh, was killed in, in, in Patrick Street uh, just 13 years ago now. She was killed by a, a rubbish truck outside uh, the Savoy Cinema. Oh, God, I remember it. Yeah, yeah she did. And my wife, my wife and her mom were so close, you know? They were yeah. very, very close. Yeah. And I think the effect of her mom being killed suddenly like that it took an adverse effect on me, you know. Did and it really? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She started. Uh, she was working singers' corner as she, she used to do alterations, and she did it just for the to get out of the house of company at that time. Like she was only fifty-three years of age. And next thing, shortly after, I was in the army, and I retired in two thousand and nine officially. But in two thousand and eight, Mary's had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so. The army, this guy in, in Dublin, he was um, uh, within the army service and he, he, was, he was like a, a psychiatrist. And he put me out on sick leave for the remainder of the year of my life oh, in the army. And he the said, tragedy of the, 
Yeah, the tragedy of her mum and then the consequences Absolutely, absolutely. But you link the the two of them, do you? The rapid onset. I do, I I do, yeah, because, I don't know, Mary, she she left school at 14 because she had to look after her family as well, you know, to earn money. But then um, she was very astute. She was the most, the cleverest person that I ever knew. She was unbelievable. Unbelievable puss. Could do anything with her hands. Knitting, sewing, you name it. She did it. But anyway, when she got it, I had a home with me here for a while. And it's really, it was really, really tough. Really tough. Like for a woman, looking at a woman that was able to do everything for herself. And like when it came to finance of the house and looking after bills, she'd lose me. She'd lose me. And then to see her the way she went when she got the dementia. Like, you, must I, have I felt, you must have felt helpless. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. As I said in the army, I did a lot of tough jobs overseas, but this was the hardest job, <clears throat> excuse me, that Feed. I was ever given, you know? Yes, feeding so, your wife. There's something very close and personal about that, but it's sad at the same time, isn't it? Absolutely. We were together. I met her when she was 15 years of age. I remember my daughter saying to me, Dad, you were a cradle snatcher. <laughs> we were together for forty nine years. Um, like eventually she'd gone to a home so she did it be, did the care become too difficult, was it? It did, because it, it, it wasn't just looking after no one again. It was from the minute she opened her eyes in the morning till you went to sleep at night. You were there constantly watching her if she wanted to go to the bathroom or whatever. And then the scenario when you went to shower or, or, or things like that. First, she was kind of looking at me like I'd have to put into the shower and wash her. And she was like, Look, and I was saying, Look, Mary, we're married, pet, we're together years and years. I had to convince her like that. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. And then when she did eventually, I couldn't take it anymore. I went under savage pressure altogether. It's really, really. And I pity any person that's going but through this. You with, must have anguished with. about making that decision, however. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I thought about it. I sat down and I spoke to my son and my daughter and I said, look, this, this, is, this is going to break me. And I said, like, I thought I was a tough guy, you know, but this is, this is different. This is completely different, you know. So eventually I had to come to home. I brought my heart and the day I did it, when I was driving back in the car, I stopped the car. I couldn't see. I was actually so emotional over what I did, you know. Because I always promised her, I said, I will never, ever put you into home. I'll always look after you till the day you die. You know? Ah, Freddie, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie. I know. That didn't happen. But I know. Eventually, when she did go down to St. Luke's, the pressure came off straight away. Um, I fed on every day to her. <laughs> Martin oh, and and uh, Sandra and Eileen me and God rest her soul. Like I said to them, like I didn't know Mary, but she was more, my most precious gift that I had in life was my wife. You know, and then to hand her over to people, and I said, look, this is my wife. You're looking after. This is my my most precious thing in my life. And I said, and I hope that she will look after her as much. That's what I tried to look after, you know. But they did. They came out trumps, and to this day, like with Martha, Martha's on to me every other day, telling me what's going, what's going on below, and what's going on. But I'll meet her now again in 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 December because I do, I do Santa Claus every year down there. <laughs> <laughs> I've a, I've a, I've a white beard. I'm five foot five, 
And the guy said to me one time, he's so too very small for Santa. I said, boy, have you met him? Do you know what size he is? Martha, you're talking to Santa Claus. You're on his, yeah, you're on, yeah, you're yeah, on the good I'm list. I'm on his naughty list, they say. No, I don't think so. Don't think Hello, so. Martha. How are you, honey? Hello, Freddie. How are you, love? I'm okay, Pat. I'm okay. But, Lovely to um, hear your voice. Like below, when we go down the laugh and the crack that we have at the Christmas love for the sing song and I'm dressed up in the Santa suit and like the friendship that I built up to the girls you know is, is, is second to none you know second to none uh, Fred, you'll and always have that but you'll always have us absolutely but I think you'll the job they're us, doing there is no way I would do the job they're doing absolutely not you Absolutely would go not. home at, at night or you would get into your bed at night or sit at home at night in the knowledge yeah. that she was not just being cared for but loved and cared for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And below, um, when Mary was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, she never called me Freddie after that. Never. But she knew me. And next, Martha would be there next thing. Um, I'd ring down below. And there, there was one phone. It was right outside Mary's room. And Martha would pick up the phone, and she she looking at Mary. Mary be looking at the phone, and she said, "Freddie's on the phone. He's coming down in a minute." She said, "Her face would light up straight away, you know." Straight away. But, but yeah. forgive me, Freddie. Absolutely. Was there, was there eventually a time when she did not know you? Do you know what? Normally, I I, I fully believe that she knew me all the time because I, I give an example. Her brother, old Tommy, passed away there a year ago. Right, he was very good. He was in a corporation down in Mahan, and he was going every day. Get off the tractor, he's parked inside the car park. The girls got to know him. He parked it and he go in and give her a lunch. <laughs> so I was down there and I had a meeting one day. And the next thing I met up with Tom and Mary in the room. So I said, Tom, I finished off. I said, Which one? You go, you can go away. So okay, grand. So he's going to head out the door next next thing. I said to Mary, Kid of the kiss is going away. So she gave me a kiss on the cheek. And I said, Oh, you might as well give me a kiss now, shall I? She kissed me on the lips. She knew Different. the dip. She knew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she knew absolutely. well who you were. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And even there, when our, our anniversary came up, the girls were all mapped and the girls were all, They set up the room inside. They had flowers all over the place. And they had a kind of a special room for herself and Mary. And the girls were in and they were singing happy, happy and uh, anniversary, you know, which they made things absolutely fantastic they really want to and I said they would never be able to do their job like, I was looking after Mary but to look after a complete stranger different scenario I'll get, you know? well Martha so I, I think, hope that you yeah. walk a little bit taller now after that thanks so much Neil thanks yeah. a million no I, I do well, she, we all love Freddie anyway. very much <laughs> wouldn't be hard Santa Claus <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much Freddie you're very kind love no. Thanks you so much. Time, not at all. Uh, no, it was a lovely talk. You too, I'm always very grateful to people who share very close and personal stories, and, and yours is yeah. a beautiful story, Freddie. Yeah. Thank you for it. Fabulous husband, Nadia. That's fabulous. Oh, without a doubt. He, I mean, he described yeah. his, yeah. his yeah. love affair yeah. with his wife. Yeah. How many years did I, you say, Freddie? How many years? How many years did you say? How many years? Pardon? How many years were you married? We were married 49 years. Okay. All right. You say you want to say one final thing. Go ahead, my friend. I do. Yeah, they were they were they were saying like I used to go down every single day. The only time I did, one time they had a, an outbreak below, and uh, I couldn't go for a couple of days. And they're saying people don't remember. I couldn't go in for about six days. And next thing, I eventually arrived in anyway. And Mary looked at me. She was sitting lying aside in the bed. She looked at me. She says, 
you were very long this time. And I looked at her. I said, what? You were very long this time, she said, because I was going home every day. Yeah. She knew that I was missing for a few days, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like that, she'd... Uh, Sounds to me as if she had an amazing love bond between the two of you. Uh, we got on, we got on very well. We did, we All did. Right. May she rest in peace. She nice one. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you, Martha. Good yeah, luck to you and all of the staff down in St. Louis. Thanks, Amelia. And you know what, Neil? I'm just one person. There's loads of other people down there that make the home the name it is and has a good reputation. It's not just me. It's all the staff down there, you know? Oh, absolutely. So it's, it, this is for all of us. Okay, Freddie, I'll see you. Oh, Take actually. care. All the best. Hold, hold on there, Martha. Um, just, uh, I just want to talk to Anne here, if you don't mind. I know I'm keeping you ages, but You're it's, 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 it's lovely to chat with people with stories to share. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what's on your mind? Go ahead. Uh, no, I actually had um, a fall in Man Point on Friday. And then um, a young couple came along. I couldn't get up off the floor, Neil, because I have two needle tests. So I actually couldn't get up off the floor. And a young couple, the girl was just past me as I fell. And she tried to help me up and she couldn't. And her husband was standing with the buggy. He had, they had a baby in the buggy. And then um, he picked me up off the ground and they stayed with me, Neil. Now you're and in your they, 70s and had two knee replacements. So you, there's no way you would have got up. No. No, I couldn't feel and I was mortified that I couldn't get up, you know? Yeah. Because you can't get up on your knees, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I actually got I got a terrible fright and I was actually embarrassed then when you know, when I realised that I couldn't get up, you know, in such a public place. But uh, the the young fella, they were only very young couple with a baby Neil and he lifted me up from behind and they stayed with me. They couldn't have done enough for me, Neil, but I was so embarrassed and I actually don't know if I thanked them. I didn't take their names or anything. I got such a fright and I was actually embarrassed. And the only thing I know that they had a baby in a buggy and that his fa- he told me his father had a knee replacement a few weeks ago. So he, put, he kind of put they, you at ease by telling you that in fairness to him, didn't oh, he? Oh, he did. Actually, they stayed with me. They couldn't have done enough for me, really. You know, but I, I, because I was so embarrassed, I wanted just to get away and get out of there, you know. Yeah. And were you able to kind of head away on your own then eventually, yeah? I, I Neil, I'm the type that would anyway, you know. Yeah. I was actually in agony. My two knees were burning and my hands. But, um, I, you know, I, I, they stayed, they kept on saying to me, do you want to go anywhere? Will we take you somewhere, you know? But I was actually so embarrassed at that stage. I just wanted to go away, you know? Even in pain, I know. Oh, sure, look, yeah. you're an independent woman. I understand that. Oh, so to whomever that wonderful couple, couple were with the baby and the buggy, Maham Point on Friday, you just wanted to say thank you. Oh, yeah, definitely, Neil. I could, like, I don't know what I'd have done if they hadn't been there, Neil. All right, well said. They were so nice. Well said. They were actually so nice. Well said, well said. You know? Look after yourself, Anne. Look after yourself. Thanks a million, Neil. Thanks If there's ever anything you need or you're caught short or anything and you need somebody to do a job for you, let us know. We can get it sorted for you. All right? Thanks a million, Neil. Let's pick up the phone. All the best. Bye, Anne. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Brenneville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Okay, a lot of calls, and I'll do the best I can with the time I've left, and then a lot of texts and stuff, which I can pick up, glad to pick up on it in the morning. And we can do a little bit more research off the air then with regards to availability of help and services for Alzheimer's or indeed... Uh, dementia patients um, um, 
because it does seem as if there's a lot of, there's a lack and there's a want in that area. So back to the phone lines. Maureen, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. You just wanted to jump in. Um, is it to do with Martha and the staff at St. Luke's? Oh, my God, yeah. Martha is my niece, my sister's uh, daughter. And, <laughs> She's um, mortified. Oh, need... She's mortified. <laughs> need, I have to go okay. off the air, boy. No. <laughs> Here, no, let's, see what, let's see what she has to say Mar- anyway then decide oh Jesus she'll tell you the real Martha I'd say <laughs> I won't Martha you will know when I was in the 70s um, I worked in St. Luke's home in Wellington Road as a domestic yeah. worker now I wasn't as intelligent as you were but from the time that you were a baby up to the time now you were such a beautiful girl a wonderful worker and you were very good to your nanny as well so I am, I'm not surprised that um, you're doing so well in St. Luke's Home. But when I worked in St. Luke's Home, when I Road, there was two areas. There was um, the public one and St. Brendan's private. But yeah. I have to say now, it was a wonderful time. The staff, the nurses, um, and all what we had to do every morning when we went in. And, and sometimes you might get a younger girl starting. And the matron would always say, Maureen, show them how to use the Hoover. You know, but sure to listen to you on the radio, I was absolutely crying. Go back in time. And where you know, where on Wellington me. Road was it before they moved to um, Mahan and Black Rock? Just across from Marymount there, Neil. So that's um, the hotel in, now, is it? That's it. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah the ambassador now. So many, many, right. many, 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 many years ago, that was, no, that was known as um, the hospital for... Protestant incurables. Exactly. That's right, yeah. And there was two, yeah, there was two areas. There was the private area with St. Brendan's. But I do remember getting up every morning. I had five kittens. Oh, damn it. Are you still there, Maureen? She's gone. Right in the middle of the five kittens. I don't know whether we'll be able to get her back. <laughs> but anyway, that's your aunt saying more to find that's kind of things. But you know, Neil, St. Luke's has 150 years of a tradition. So I just hope that families, just to reassure families, you know, like they're not all bad. You know, I know, and, we, and, we, and you're, you're right yeah. when you say the vast majority aren't. I know that, but yeah. like we started and off, we started talking about Janet's scenario. Today is her thirty yeah. sixth wedding anniversary, and she'll mark it with her husband, yeah. but he won't know or remember that. Um, yeah. And uh, she, she, he's in a bed in the CUH, and they're saying he has to go. Her GP has put a stop on the move from the bed until some better plan comes in place because she can't deal with her spouse at home anymore. To put it kindly, he gets very agitated. It can become physical. They're getting on in age, you know. That's how all of this started. But that's just one poor lady. There's probably hundreds of them around Ireland at the moment that have no voice, you know, which is very sad. You know, very, very sad. I'd say families are struggling first. At the moment. <coughs> okay, let me talk to Paula if you don't mind. Paula, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? You've been listening to Martha's chat with me. Go ahead. I have, I have. And I know everybody has their own experiences with nursing homes. And unfortunately, some of them aren't pleasant. But Martha yeah. and the team below in Maguire House looked after my dad, Jerry, for years. Um, Jerry oh, passed Jerry, away yeah. about six years ago now. Yeah. Hi, Martha. Hi, hi. Yeah. Oh, my God, Neil. I There's... There are absolutely amazing people below there. It's not a job, it's a vocation. And for us as a family, it was a huge decision to put Dad into a home. My mum struggled at home for a long time. She kept him longer than she should have to look after him herself. 
And are we um, on the topic of Alzheimer's and dementia? Yeah, later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and a sharper man you would not have come across. He was. I know everyone thinks their own dad is the best and amazing, but we were we were blessed. And condolences on the passing of your own dad, actually, recently, Neil, as well. It's, Thank it's, you. It's an awful thing. Thank you. Um, so it was a huge decision to put him in, broke everybody's heart, and I have to say they just made the transition and the decision so easy. They gave him the same care that we gave him at home, the same attention, the same love. And not only that, but they looked after us as a family as well. It's they a difficult situation simple. that the family had to it's make. It's a because horrible situation. Do, it's do, rotten. It is, yeah. And do you recall when you when when your dad started to show signs that things mightn't have been right? We actually laugh at this because uh, the most amazing dad ever, but he arrived to us all at Christmas um, years back with these tiny little Santas he bought in town somewhere and you flick them on with the light coming on in them. And we were saying, what is he doing? Because that wouldn't be his his thing at all. And we were laughing about it. Then he arrived another day with bags of apples for us all and we were like, ah, no. Neil, we were actually slagging him saying, are you getting Alzheimer's or what? Yeah. As a joke, but then it became more and more apparent that there was little things happening, and it's weird because it kind of goes. And anyone who was dealing with anyone with Alzheimer's will probably relate. They seem to drop, and then stay at that level for maybe three or four months, and then drop again, and that's a continuous process with them. Well, that's what we found with Dad anyway. But anyone I've spoken to that was in the same situation, and did he struggle over the, the frustration of it all? Yeah. Oh, massively so, massively so, because in the initial years when when he deteriorated a lot, it was like he was fighting with his own personality, his own brain. It was like he knew there was something wrong, but didn't know what. And you could see the torment in his face. It was horrific. It's the most heartbreaking illness to see anybody go through it. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's dreadful. Oh, uh, watching them struggle. Yeah. It's, it's awful. It's awful. And it's like you're grieving for this person over all this time because you're losing a little piece of them constantly. And then you get a little flicker every now and again that they're still there. Um, but the care in St. Luke's, because I know that's the topic, I would say to anybody who's struggling with the decision of putting them into, especially if you're blessed enough to get one in the likes of St. Luke's, don't hesitate. No, it is about it is about it is shining a light on beautiful, fantastic work that Martha and those yeah. in St. Luke's do. But it's also about those that can't get a place. <laughs> at Absolutely, all. we were very, very lucky, uh, and I'm fully aware of that. We were one of the lucky ones. That a hospital um, would say yeah. you now can take, in many cases, your elderly partner home to care for them. Yeah. Where yeah. that's not a safe decision to make. No, absolutely not. No, and even even though it was a choice on my mum's part to keep that at home for as long as she did, her own health deteriorated over the time as well. Um, and she's a warrior. She's 83 and she put me to shame most days still. She's flying around. But it took a massive toll on her health as well to try and care for him at home. And is it? And that's somebody who was in good health. So for somebody who isn't in the best of health themselves... It must be a nightmare. But to, to be struck down with it, and we will all pass from something. That is the circle of life. And we've heard the circle yeah. of life this morning where you could have a son or a daughter feeding, spoon feeding their, their mammy or their daddy. Absolutely. Um, one was yeah. Uh, yeah. feeding her mammy earlier on this morning and her mammy has little toys inside in the bed with her. There's something beautiful about that, even though it is sad. But, there um, is, yeah. But, uh, but is it hereditary or is this just 
you know, stroke of bad luck or what? I wonder, I think there must be a hereditary link to it, to be honest with you. I do think that because my dad's sister would have developed and she'd have had early onset Alzheimer's as well. Um, and two uncles of his would have developed Alzheimer's. So even though scientifically they say the link isn't strong enough to say it is hereditary. To say that it's an Alzheimer gene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon there has to be something in it because I know from our own family side and my dad's side, there was quite a few of them, more so to make it beyond a coincidence, you know. Okay, okay. But kind words of the care he received. Oh, can't thank them enough. They were just amazing. They're angels, really. No matter what pay rate they'd be put on, it's not enough for what they do. Mm. They totally, okay. even after that passed, they, every one of them came to his funeral. They stayed in touch with my mom after. They would have called him to work to me out in Wilton to, to pop in and ask how the family were. You know, that's, there's no words for it. They're, right. they're absolutely amazing. Well said, well said. Thank you for that, Paula. Lovely chatting with you. Is that, you is, too. Is that, is that learned, Martha? Is it training or is it just... No, I was just going to say that now, Neil. I suppose... Caring isn't for everyone, and as I said, I suppose like it's the way I was brought up. Like I've I've no brothers or sisters myself, but I've two exceptional parents. So I just think it's yeah. about well, your upbringing. It's not only your that, family. you have a, you also have an aunt that just won't give up. We got her back again. <laughs> <laughs> but like I do not actually saying that. No need myself and my. I have to give a shout out now to this very special person, Claire Maxweeney. We do a training day in Norwich House from nine to five and what we came up with we found people during COVID they were doing off of courses online but they were actually missing out on like the hands-on experience so we set up a course in Norwich House the Education Centre actually Norwich House came from uh, the Norwiches that left money to St. Luke's and they set up a fantastic education centre so myself and my best friend Claire Maxweeney who is another exceptional carer in the home uh, we do a training day over in Norwich House alongside with Bruce and Catherine Buckley and we train like say Neil you want to change career now you want to come in with me but you're working with me like you haven't a clue of the atmosphere of a nursing home so we bring you over to the education centre we train training all day then you come in to me you're like oh that's what a hoist is oh that's how you do a bed bath oh that's how you shave a man like it's basic stuff Neil that we have to get right do you know you're incredible and the most important thing is love and care and to make sure that tell all the residents that we love them very much and that we they're secure and they're safe because they know all the residents they're, they're nervous and they're lonely so I can't advocate enough how special the residents in St. Luke's home are to me okay. and all my team and I hope, I hear, I hope I hear other stories of other nursing homes just like yours I've got about 90 seconds um, and I just want to finish up with Auntie Maureen <laughs> oh god good luck and gone I have to go right, see you later take <laughs> care Martha oh, thanks. God bye, bless bye, bye. take care so you you're a, yes. you're a domestic is it? Yes, I was in St. Oaks and Wellington Road. Okay, what was the role of domestic? So you finished in 79. When did you start? I'm 76 now, so I can't go back in time. I was there, I said, about three and a half years. But, like, you just go down in the morning and the first thing you concentrate on is doing the toast and everything like that with the patients. And then when their breakfast is over, you go up and collect all the trays and then you bring them down to the kitchen and then you go up and you go over and dust and the whole lot. It must have been a beautiful place to work though because it is the most beautiful building. It was lovely and you won't believe it, Neil. My home, my own husband now is dead six years and he died with prostate cancer. But he died here at home. Yeah. But funny enough, if I had the brains like Martha, I'd probably be wearing a white coat at this stage but 
yeah, there was one at one stage now we're going from one thing to another. Gentleman had to um he was left out of hospital um the pick line and I was vetted and I was able to give him antibiotics six in the morning to in the afternoon and yeah. then at night. Yeah. Not answering the door, not answering the phone to anybody. But as I said, I loved working at the Nook's home. The staff were outstanding. Um, I wouldn't have a thing to say about it. Mm. And I think it carried on into the Nook's home below in that property. Well, clearly and we're hearing this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and for Martha, she was such a lovely little girl growing up. She loved her nanny. She always kissed her and hugged her. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, um, how she got all her, her exams and everything. So, yeah, but like with my own husband, as I said, um, he passed out and he was diagnosed in 60. And he had his birthday party in um, the Ambassador when he was 60. And he'd be 70 in the Ambassador um, when he was 70. But unfortunately, that was just going downhill from there. So he 70 in July and he passed away in the final year in February well, 20. That's sad to hear. That's sad to hear. Yeah. Yeah, but he was uh, he was never actually in Marymount. He's got there on a Tuesday, um, just for a bit of therapy. And I'll always remember the day that the band came to bring him up with the nurse, Max, and um, I cried my heart out. And he came home and he was getting mad. And I said, what are you laughing at? He said, you won't believe it. When they got their lunch, they'd come around with a trolley and they said, what would you like to drink? And of course, John would like to find the Guinness, but he said, a drop of whiskey. Oh, he's, so they were taking Charlie away. He's hang on a second, I have another one of them. They said you'll have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> one a day, that's all. One a day. It's good for you, but only in moderation. <laughs> yeah, but he did, he was too lucky painting and he did go Gambaro and he did the lock and all the um, the grandchildren have um paintings of him when he was gone up to um very much every Tuesday. He loved, he loved every day of it. Okay. Every Tuesday of it. Well listen, hold but on to those bit. hold on to those happy memories. Is Pat, yeah, did he pass at home then? He did. Like yes. I said, you won't know any. He, he had a catheter and he had something wrong with kidneys and I stopped to change the bag myself every morning. And as I said, they invited me then to give him an antibiotic at home mm. for um, eight to ten days, which I did and delighted to do it. But um, like that, now the oncology in um, the OH wrote standing, yeah. Seamus O'Reilly and yeah. um, um, the girl Brady. But when he came home on the 21st of February, we didn't realise that he was going to go that week. But from the time we say Wednesday, Thursday came, rang my GP, she came up, rang Mary Bond, um, sent somebody up, and there were documents and everything in my kitchen. And went in and said to him, Would you like to go to Mary Bond a couple of days? No, he said, I'll stay in the bed because he uh, had the HSE bed. Yeah. But he died, I have to say. Um, I got tremendous help, but that was well before COVID. Yeah. So I, I have, yeah. you know, just the best in the world to everybody we know on Fenwick phone um, and, right. and man. Okay. And nice um, thank you. so. And I'm sorry, dear, about your own dad. Needs. Thank you so much, Maureen. Look after yourself. Thank you so I much. I will. And thank, I'm, I'm glad now I came on the phone, but Martha will be mortified. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> Do you know what I do? I talk for Ireland, but I very rarely come on the on the radio. Well, thank you for sharing done. this morning, and do mind yourself. Take care to Maureen, to Paula, to Martha, and to all the other callers this morning. A lot of texts on this. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, do get in touch. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Email Neil at redfm.ie, and we may chat with more in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.